106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. video released by Project Veritas, ABC News anchor Amy Robach was caught on a hot mic admitting that ABC knew all about Jeffrey Epstein being a filthy, rotten child molester years before it ever hit the airwaves. But they didn't run with the story because they were supposedly afraid of running afoul of some pretty powerful people. I'll take my word for it. Here's what she said verbatim. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will say, oh, that we that also quashed the story. I think she had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. There were a lot of men in those planes, a lot of men who visited that island, a lot of powerful men who came into that apartment. And you know, here's the real kicker. The night that that bombshell video dropped, CNN didn't mention it once. MSNBC, nothing. NBC brought it up for about two seconds as part of their Access Hollywood segment. The fact that a major news network nixed a story about a rich pedophile trafficking children barely made their gossip column. As for ABC themselves, they've already said they won't be addressing the controversy on air at all. Funny, because here I thought these brave icons of journalistic honesty were all about exposing the dirty and the powerful, especially when it comes to sex scandals, right? I mean, they were so into making sure that rapists are brought to justice, they were ready and willing to publish any unsubstantiated claim and water cooler rumor about Brett Kavanaugh, regardless of how ridiculous it was or how much evidence it lacked. Now here was a guy whose only apparent crime was being a straight white Christian dude nominated by Trump, but the next thing we know He's an alcoholic serial abuser who ran a date rape ring out of the suburbs when he was 15. ABC had no problem running that story. And that's the modus operandi here, isn't it? Some Catholic kids verbally assaulted a peaceful Native American man. Yeah, that fits our narrative. Let's just run with that. Jesse Smollett says he was attacked by a couple of MAGA hat racists in downtown Chicago at 2 a.m. Sure. Oh, a dossier says Trump had a golden shower party with some Russian hookers. Yeah, that sounds good. Print that. But a longtime cohort of Bill Clinton's whose pedo business getting exposed might screw up your chance to score front row seats at the royal wedding? Well, better clam that up. Can't have that little tidbit getting out. You guys are such a freaking joke. Payday loan vendors have more integrity than you do. You don't care about exposing sex offenders or protecting women or defending kids. Hashtag me too to stop the Caucasian Catholic from landing a spot on the SCOTUS bench. But Clinton's airplane buddy molests a few women and crickets. You'll be all about the children when you can accuse Trump of running concentration camps at the border. But a high profile bazillionaire sex offender gets convicted of soliciting an underage prostitute. And there's George Stephanopoulos and Katie Couric having dinner at his house. Seriously, we still don't know what happened in that jail cell. We still don't know who else may have been involved in Epstein's trafficking ring. We still don't know how many of his friends knew what was going on the whole time. And you would think that a media so devoted to truth and justice would be all over this story a million different ways. And instead, we get silence. 
Then again, I guess that's to be expected. After all, you can't go pissing off your friends, no matter how sleazy they might be. Especially when those who run in certain circles have a habit of getting murder, <clears throat> I mean, uh, offing themselves. do to you this is Lou Benninger and we're here at the no hostages radio no hostages radio podcast and this is the uh, let's see is it the 16th can't even remember the date now Um, yeah this this podcast will be for the 16th of November 2019 and uh, we're glad you're listening today. If you're new to us, we're going to do six segments, about 20 minutes each. And uh, you can, I don't know how you got to us today, but if you haven't got to us on our website, you can reach out and, and look at past podcasts, listen to them really easy, as well as uh, if you're interested in some of the articles we have. Uh, I write two articles a week for a, a weekly newspaper called the Territorial Dis- Dispatch in Yuba County. It actually serves about four counties up here in the North State, Yuba, Sutter, Nevada, and I believe Butte, maybe even a little over into Colusa County. So you can get all my stuff over there, but if you just uh, picked it up through iTunes or Google, that's fine as well. We welcome you. If you want to communicate with us, you can shoot me an email at lou, L-O-U, L-O-U at nohostagesradio.com. Lou at NoHostagesRadio.com, or you could text me or give me a call at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838, glad to hear from you, I, I got a nasty gram this week, guy cussed me out and uh, called me I think a racist, I don't know whether I've ever uh, put anything out, I, I think he didn't like my articles, and uh Something in there, I guess he thought I was a racist. I guess, I think that's a common slur nowadays. If people just don't like your political point of view, they call you a racist, call you a racist. So thank you again for listening. Um, I think our listenership's growing some. We we lost some in the transition. Uh, This is our 33rd, uh, I think I said 32, this is our 33rd uh, broadcast, 33 weeks into this kind of shocking, it's already uh, quite a ways past a half a year, but uh, some of the folks uh, didn't move over with us to a podcast, but one who did volunteered, uh, his name's Eddie, and he wants to be our poop patrol reporter. Uh, because in, in the state of California, you, if you walk your dog and he poops and you don't pick it up, I guess in some cities that's an infraction or a misdemeanor, but actually if you had to take a poop, you're good to go. You can just, you can leave it right there. You can just poop right on the sidewalk and you're good to go. So, so he said, Hey Lou, this is Eddie poop patrol patrol reporter for no hostages radio with your first poop patrol report. And uh, and we're going code brown today. He said California poop 
uh, situation upgraded to hot diarrhea attacks, urinating in public, all okay. So uh, he says Fisifornia, which he's he's nicknamed the state that. It's the first time I've seen that. I think Eddie may have coined that phrase, as they say. Fisifornia is living up to its name and even outgoing itself, Lou. And Lou, did you see the new state flag? The bear on the state flag has been replaced, and you know with what. So um, I think he was referring to the story this past week that it is no longer uh, going to be an issue with the new district attorney of San Francisco who was elected uh, Chessa Bodine. Bodine uh, I don't know whether I pronounced his last name right, but I'm coming back to that in a little bit, and I'll look at the spelling and get it tighter for you. But Chessa is his first name. I've never heard that name before, but Chessa is his first name. He was in the public defender's office in San Francisco. There are a number of people running for district attorney over there, and he won. So the first thing he did said, hey, you know, I, you know, a lot of these behavioral things like prostitution and urinating in the streets, uh, I'm not going to even bother with that. So don't be bringing me any arrests in, in, in those kind of behaviors. So that's what uh, Eddie, our uh, poop patrol reporter, was referring to. And uh, certainly that's been going on around here. Um, so we'll we'll watch for reports every I don't know whether he's planning on doing uh, I don't know if there's enough news on poop to get a, a report every week. But uh, every once in a while, he said, Lou, I'll, I'll do this for you for no charge. He's going to help us out. We've got a number of people now that are sending us articles either by email uh, or some some mail getting it to me. And, get, and some people are handing off uh, used newspapers they've read through and thought I might be interested in a particular article. So they get it over to me. So there you have it. Poop Patrol reporter Eddie and... Uh, so isn't it odd, isn't it odd that you can throw your hypodermic needle used on the ground and you can go get as many hypodermic needles as you want, but you can't, can't, they frown on giving out straws. They don't want, say, say if I was a heroin user and they knew it, they would, they would offer me free needles without me asking, but I can't, they can't do that in a, in a restaurant. I have to ask them. It's crazy. So I watch people go up and down the street here. I work out of my house, have an office in my house, and I have windows that look out. And um, they uh, let their dogs do do the thing out there. And uh, sometimes they pick it up, and sometimes they leave it for me to pick up. Uh, but that is, uh, in some places, they tell me a misdemeanor. Um, and so I, I notice people carrying little bags, and they slip their hand in them. It's kind of a funky deal, actually. So I was looking uh, at one of the newspapers that was dropped off to me this week. Uh, I always look at the police blotter in our local uh, a daily newspaper, which up here in Marysville, Yuba City is called the Appeal Democrat. And uh, because I know some of the people who get arrested, I do a lot of work inside the Yuba County Jail, talking to prisoners and helping them transition to a life where they don't commit crimes and hopefully stay off the streets don't get involved in drug, drug and alcohol addiction anymore. But uh, maybe they need some help transitioning, either going to a rehab or whatever. So anyway, I know a lot of people, and so I watch for them and see if they pop up here, there, and everywhere. And I was kind of taken back this week uh, on November 8th, uh, Friday, I guess it was last Friday, 
I was looking at the police blotter, and there's about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, felony arrests and one DUI. So in among the eight felony arrests, five of them were all by homeless people. Uh, so we have a 39-year-old homeless fellow arrested by Yuba City Police on suspicion of obtaining credit cards, grand theft, attempted burglary, etc. Right, stole somebody's stuff, right? Uh, the second person, another guy homeless, arrested Yuba City Police. Suspicion of assault with a deadly weapon, not a firearm. Oh, I'm sorry, this was not a, a male. The first one was a male the credit card thief and grand theft grand theft had to be over $950 right uh the second one was a female 29 she's the one that must have slugged somebody with something not a firearm she was arrested third one a guy homeless 25 the second person was 29 39 29 25 pretty young people right to be homeless you think, oh, well, they just, uh, you know, got out of high school, couldn't figure out what they were doing, and then got lost in the shuffle, or do you think maybe they were using drugs and alcohol? So uh, on this person was arrested on suspicion of possess possessing a loaded, this says a leaded weapon. I think there's a typo over there at the appeal. I think they meant to say a loaded weapon. I don't know whether it's, uh, anyway, I won't get distracted. And then finally, we get an old homeless person. In fact, this person's 51. That's the average age of people dying on the streets of Los Angeles. I wrote an article in this week's territorial. In fact, if you go to when when you if you want to go to our website on Saturday, the 16th or later, you'll see these articles online. I wrote an article about opiate addiction uh, and how they're dealing with it in the state of Rhode Island. And I also wrote an article uh, about that the the issue of being homeless isn't the problem of a lack of a home. The issue of being homeless is drug and alcohol addiction. So this fifth person, he's actually 51, the old timer in the bunch. He's arrested for attempted second degree robbery. So five people out of eight arrested that were posted here in the paper were all homeless people. So if you think, oh, well, this is not causing us a, a problem. Uh, some people say, well, in one county, there's maybe seven or 800 people homeless. In the other county, maybe there's seven or 800 people homeless. But when you look at how many percentage, that percentage, that's a pretty high percentage of those people being arrested. When you look at maybe there's 160,000 people in the two counties, and that's this is all the people arrested, that there were kind of highlights that week or that day, that particular, this is the daily, that they don't post them every single day. So they accumulate them and then post them. So we have one DUI arrest, which is pretty light, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight people arrested for felonies, different than DUI, and five of them were all homeless. So, uh, so we have a major problem. We have most of the homeless people, the large percentage of homeless people in California and any other state in the union, and that's the reason for that is we're actually funding it. Uh, and Walter Williams, the economist emeritus at the George Mason University, very bright guy, he must be almost in, I don't know whether George is in his, or not George, but Walter uh, is in his, I don't know, around 80. Very bright guys. You can find him all over YouTube, Walter Williams. Very well-spoken, very bright. 
and um, I love to listen to him talk. He says that whatever you want more of, fund it. Give funding for it. Offer funding for it. And what you want less of, tax it. So what we see is lots and lots of taxes locally here in Northern California. And by the way, a shout out to those. uh, I just got a notice from a friend of mine, Monty Hecker, who supports the show here. He said, Lou, a guy called me from Florida. And uh, because you were promoting my business and he um, he was checking in from Florida because I give out Monty's phone number. He called Monty and uh, thanked him for supporting the show because there's a bunch of people watching or listening down there in Florida, which I thought, oh, that's that's cool. I don't know how they found out about it. But so, you know, we got some people listening in Nevada and Texas, I think, and uh, uh, Utah, Idaho. Missouri got a big contingency over there in Missouri. Thank you very much for for listening. So, but we have a big problem out here in California, and and we're it's a socialist state, and they actually believe that uh, that it's somebody else's fault that these people are homeless. It's a and they say, hey, it's capitalism. It's actually free enterprise's fault. It's other people who are working so hard that it's causing some people uh, to not have a home. I was thinking the other day, I just saw where it's up to 700,000, the amount of people that have left the state last year. And they say we have a housing crisis in California. But I was thinking if enough people keep leaving, uh, those houses are available. So we may uh, we may immigrate enough people to solve our housing uh, problems and uh, it'll cause a construction boom in other other areas. Like I know up around the Boise area, there's a lot of people uh, moving in up there. I've heard there's some backlash up there, but all, all over Idaho, certainly Nevada is a huge, Las Vegas and Reno, huge building booms, Arizona. And those are Californians that, that are uh, refugees leaving the state. So if 700,000 people leave the state, that's going to leave a lot of room for other people to to find housing. Maybe the market will go down some. But there's a shortage of housing, and the housing that's there is too expensive for a lot of folks to afford, so they they move to other areas where they can't afford them. Many times they'll spend, uh, they'll sell their house here and take whatever money they have and actually have enough money out of the equity here to buy an entire house cash. Is that amazing? I think that's amazing. I like to be out of debt myself. So what's happening is... um, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, oh, Lou, there's a, another person got murdered uh, down in the U, one of the uh, the camps, the homeless camps. And this one is what they used to call the Hollywood trailer court, and then they moved all these old funky trailers out of there. But people still live down there. It's just over the levee from 2nd Street in Marysville. They, we had a guy a few guy, uh, years ago got murdered on Simpson Lane off Simpson Lane at the Yuba River. And that kind of nudged the county to actually do something about the homeless situation. So they cleared out those camps. And recently, the homeless uh, have told me that they've been getting citations uh, to move again, eviction notices. Um, And it may have been uh, triggered again by another murder. So a guy got shot down there at the Hollywood trailer court and they arrested a lady for it. So now we see, um, and it's been reported in the local paper and even in the paper in the state capitol, that uh, Yuba County is now going to uh, take a risk, which I'm all for, 
uh, if they have smart people working on their behalf, that's not always true. They they've hired legal people before that were a little less than intelligent and uh, got us into a lot of trouble and cost the taxpayers a lot of money. So now they're I've written another ordinance that uh, they're going to try to uh, keep people out of our river bottoms. Again, up, up from against our levees. The levees here, if, if you're unfamiliar with Northern California, we have a lot of rivers that come out of the Sierra Nevada mountain range and just uh, come quickly out of the mountain range and then shoot across the valley and off into the ocean. And in the wintertime, uh, when we get some uh, intense rains and some snow melt, those things can get out of hand. And so we have levees because the rivers leave the banks and 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 want to expand out across the valley. So they built these levees that, oh, my goodness, they must be, what, 35 feet high? I don't know how high, but they're very high, very wide. And so what's happening is the homeless people living down near the river bottoms have actually dug holes, caves, not just little holes, but caves into the levee to get out of the weather, and they burrow themselves in. So when the water gets up, it's actually going to be able to shoot on in into and underneath the levee. Now we just spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and we bonded ourselves. We went into debt to fund that to keep from getting flooded. And now the homeless people, which this judge in uh, that rules over the Boise, Idaho area ruled basically that if you don't provide free housing for everybody in your community that doesn't have a house, no matter how they don't have a house, then you can't enforce any laws, supposedly. At least that's the local politician's interpretation of that. So what happens is, through default, the cops are told to stand down, even though they want to enforce the law. And so the laws that I obey, normally on a daily basis, the homeless people don't have to, don't have to follow. So they can poop, pee, uh, throw garbage, just amass tons and tons and tons of garbage throw garbage into the river pollute the river if i threw something in the river and a game warden saw me he'd find me so uh, anyway this new ordinance which it bans camping along levees sidewalks and parks barring encampments uh, during the daytime on county on county property it was unanimously approved is it, it's meant to address the rise of camps and tents built along the county's waterways I was talking to a law enforcement official the other day, and I just I described the homeless situation here as a serving them notice to move. It's kind of like stirring up a bunch of pigeons out of a tree or off a roof, and they fly around, fly around, circle around, circle around, fly around, fly around. And then they land back in the same spot if you don't, like, deal with it, right? Do something up on top of the roof to make it uncomfortable for them. Uncomfortable for homeless people uh, is... Um, taking them to jail because uh, most of them are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And when they go to jail, they can't get drugs and alcohol easily and they have to go through the withdrawals. And then if they, uh, if they uh, let them out shortly and they violate again and don't show up for court, then they put a warrant out for the arrest. That's a longer stay in jail. And pretty soon, They'll get a hint and just say, you know, I can't just break the law here. I, I'll just have to leave. Now, somebody said, uh, you know, in this article, I think it was the chairman of the, the Board of Supervisors, that they just don't want to create laws and move people back and forth across the river. What? So for some of you that are unfamiliar here, we have two county seats that the only thing that separates us is a river. So people that 
that uh, don't like the lawman or the law woman in one side just go on to the other side. But years ago when I was chaplain for Marysville Police, we had a great police chief named Mark Siemens who was very proactive. And he went on and talked to all the people, and he says, hey, uh, you don't have to work in this country. You can decide not to work. You can just be on a permanent vacay. But you can't violate the laws of the city. You're welcome to, to enjoy the lake and walk around, and you can hang out, go to the parks. But you can't urinate there. You can't sleep there. You can't drink alcohol there, smoke there, whatever. So you're going to have to find someplace else to do that. But you're welcome to pass through whatever you're welcome here. And uh, so he tried to get the city of Yuba City to do the same sort of legislation or ordinance, and they flipped him the bird, basically, because Yuba City thinks they're better in Marysville, blew him off. So as Marysville enforced their, their city ordinances, the homeless people, they moved their, their uh, grocery carts and all their gear, and they moved over in the Yuba City side. And so the Yuba City people got all PO'd as if Marysville were telling them to go over there. You don't have to tell people to go someplace else. They just are going to get away. When you want to be lawless, you stay away from the law. And when you want to live a lawless life, like I tell people in jail, I, when a cop pulls up behind me and I'm driving down the street and they're, they're behind me, I do not get nervous because I'm not breaking the law. I'm not holding dope. I'm not violating the law. My car's legal. I have tags. I have insurance. I'm not nervous. But the Bible says the wicked flee when no one pursues. And so that's what's happening here. When, when people realize that this is a town that we want to have a clean town, a safe town, a town where you can actually send your kids to the grocery store without being molested or hit up, or I could walk across the street to the, the, uh, the CVS or Walgreens or to a fast food or get a coffee without being hit up, right? That used to be the way it was in Marysville, and then they decided to quit enforcing the law, and so things are out of hand. Now they're going to try to get it back under control. So we're going to take our first break now. I got some cool clips today for you. Uh, this is, uh, you know, we had Veterans Day just a few days ago, but this is Ve Happy Veterans or Veterans Month. So uh, I don't know whether you ever say Happy Veterans, but uh, we certainly celebrate and uh, memorialize those that have served, are serving, or uh, died serving. And so this entire month of November, we're honoring veterans. So this is uh, Jake McCauley talking about veterans. And then we have a couple other clips right behind that. And I'll be right back, okay? Be right back. year existence of the New York City Veterans Day Parade, President Donald Trump and the First Lady returned to his home city and state to mark the holiday. Organizers have invited every president over the last 25 years to the parade and Trump was the first to accept. Veterans Day, originally known as Armistice Day, is a federal holiday in the United States observed annually on November 11th for honoring military veterans who have served in the United States Armed Forces. The holiday began after major hostilities of World War I were formally ended at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918 when the armistice with Germany went into effect. True to his campaign promises, President Trump has honored and held in high esteem the veterans of these United States, even proclaiming November 2019 
as National Veterans and Military Families Month. Many have argued that this administration has brought patriotism to a whole new level that we have not seen in America for decades. Our founding fathers understood the true patriotism of one's country is tied directly to the morality of its people and the ministers of its government. In his Thanksgiving proclamation of 1789, President George Washington affirmed, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Washington later queried, happiness and moral duty are inseparably connected. Perhaps one of the only examples left of government following their moral or divine directive is found in the young men and women in armed forces. As a general rule, they are willing not just to work for the protection of our liberties, but they are willing to die securing them. We are reminded every year on Veterans Day to honor these men and women, and I do. It is a holy act of any individual to lay down his life in sacrifice for his neighbor. It is the example that Christ himself gave humanity. Our children should be taught to honor and have respect for those individuals who practice this sacrifice as a way of life. In light of this week's Veterans Day observance, we would do well to reflect on the reality that all across America, thousands of individuals have and continue to answer the call to serve and protect our nation. This is true patriotism. God bless every American soldier, veteran, and citizen who exercises this patriotism. As President Trump reflected, each warrior who fights for our nation along with their families has earned our eternal gratitude. And I ask that all Americans thank and support them. This is Jake McCauley with the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you the American View. It's getting crazy in California and the establishment isn't helping. I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom is thinking about having his state government take over PG&E, which is California's largest utility, which is getting notorious for cutting off people's power. This is a terrible idea. Do you really want self-serving bureaucrats and union bosses in charge, raising your rates all too often? Meanwhile, President Donald Trump has told Newsom no more federal disaster aid for California wildfire damage unless Newsom does forest management. Specifically, trim the dense trees and brush and haul out dead trees and dry underbrush, all of which are providing combustible fuel turning small fires into big fires. Trump is right and Newsom is wrong. Learn more at SaveCalifornia.com. Fighting the good fight for your values in California. I told y'all people love President Trump. Oh, don't listen to CNN. Now, they quick to show about five people booing Trump, but nobody on the news is showing this right here. Oh, no, no, no. Don't even turn it on MSNBC because you won't see it on there either. But I guarantee you, they will be showing about two people protesting President Trump, but they don't wanna let y'all know that majority of the people in America love President Donald J. Trump. <laughs> Look at that, Alabama love Trump, but Alabama ain't the only one that love him. We all love President Trump. So don't let CNN fool y'all, okay? 
Don't let MSNBC fool y'all. Don't let Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper and that little boy, uh, Rachel Maddow, Maddow, whatever his name is, don't let him fool you neither. Because cause Rachel Maddow, he don't know what he talking about either. <laughs> they always hating on somebody. And don't let that little girl, uh, 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 what's, what's that little girl's name? Jim Acosta. Don't let her fool you either, okay? People love President Trump. <laughs> secret Asian man, secret Asian man. They've given you a number and taken away your name. All right, so I'm talking about this homeless uh, ordinance. This will be uh, contested in court. The the homeless now it's a it's an homelessness is an industry in the United States now. They have their own attorneys. Uh, they're the homeless themselves are funded by the United by the United States government and county government. In fact, this one couple for this Sacramento article they they interviewed so they didn't have to drive all the way up here. You don't have to come up here to find a homeless person. And they interviewed a homeless couple, uh, actually it's a mother-daughter combo, and they were living in vehicles, and um, and it's always interesting, it says the Sacramento suffering the tragedy of homelessness. I, I don't know what, that, what the point is of calling it a tragedy, who, from what perspective. Uh, homelessness just isn't like a tree falling on your trailer. Uh, that That's a rarity. It's like lightning striking. So there's usually some real good reasons why people are homeless. I'll get into those if we want to get it into them later. But the mo mother-daughter described their struggles living in cars after a shelter closed in Sacramento in April 2019. Now, I want you to think about this. The mother and daughter get $1,000 uh, they each get $1,000, but they, they have low credit scores that holds them back. Low credit scores mean they burned a lot of people. They didn't pay their bills, right? So uh, if I the reason I don't own any real estate besides my house is I don't want to deal with people like this that don't pay me, right? I don't want to even have the drama. I got too much other drama going on in my life than having people that promise to pay, sign a contract to pay, and then don't pay and rip you off and trash the house. And a lot of my friends have real estate rentals and they have a lot of horse stories, too many, too many horse stories. So, but these people make a couple thousand a month. Now I'm just telling you, if this was me and I had a son or a daughter with me and each of us are getting a grand a month, I would move. I'd move as far away from California as I could get, and I would go where I could. That $2,000 would go a long way. Now, these people are living in a car. Now, just the, having a car in this state is one of the most expensive things you could do. If I could get rid of my car, I would. But between the DMV fees and the insurance and the smog and the price of gas is a dollar to dollar and fifty more. I don't know why a homeless person or any other person that's really operating at just a, a minimal amount of money would ever stay in California because it's one of the most expensive states to live in. Now that's stupid right there. So anyway, this ordinance has been passed and uh supposedly the the county has been checking in to seeing whether this this thing was gonna pass legal muster and uh so we, but they're trying to keep people from pooping 
ripping people off, sitting, sleeping, lying all over town and making a place look terrible. And all you, you know, it's interesting. The city of Marysville gets all butt hurt or sensitive. You talk about the situation, the city of Marysville, you don't even have to look at the books. You don't even have to look at anything, uh, about the background of the city of Marysville. All you have to do is drive through to see a train wreck here, a train wreck of a city. Uh, people don't water the lawns. People can't afford to even pay their rent. In fact, my, my neighbor just told me she got a three-day notice. Why? They just didn't wake up and give a three-day notice. She didn't pay her rent, right? Uh, so people are on the move. It's a highly transient. It used to be a lot of homeowners here. Now it's a bunch of landlords. It's a highly transient city. The local, uh, the local school just down the street from me, over half the kids uh, don't even belong in this city. They, they, uh, half the kids live here, half the kids transition from other areas that want to come into that, that school. But if they quit doing that or, this, or the, the district said we're not going to take any transfers, uh, that school could not afford to keep open because it only has it's only half full. Uh, so he says, that Mike Mike Leahy, the uh, the the uh, uh, what do we call it the uh, the chairman of the board of supervisors said we never mentioned the word that starts with the letter H. Honestly, I I, I guess I get that, but I I don't mind mentioning the word starting to let with the letter H. It's the biggest sham. It's the biggest fraud. I've got some of my Christian friends that run down there and have hand out sandwiches. One of them, a nice guy, he's a Christian guy. I'm sure he means well, but he's an idiot. And he went down there years ago and began to say how it's the housing policy of the United States government and the downturn in the housing bubble that put all those people in the river bombs. He's just clueless. You know, some people just got a flat spot on the brain. They may be as kind as the day is long. But they got a flat spot on the brain, and that definitely is not happening. Now, are housing costs going up in California? You bet. This is the last place that you would want to try to, to try to get yourself an apartment. You're much better to go to cities that are in the Midwest where you could get an apartment for three or four or five hundred dollars cheaper. Just simply, you can do that. So, if you're getting two thousand dollars in Social Security a month between the two of you, you could partner up. Get yourself a bus, sell your car, go over to Missouri or some other state and start over and get yourself a job. So this thing says that this is another interesting thing. This article says that the federal government has mandated that each area of the state has to go out and count the homeless every year. Why do we even have the federal government telling us what to do or even the state government? Why would we even have to go out and waste the money to do this? What's the point? I'm sure you all got a lot of good responses to that that I'm not even interested in listening to. All we're doing at those homeless consortium meetings are pooling people's ignorance. So they say there's 721 homeless people living on the streets in cars and in shelter beds in Sutter Yuba counties. That's all. Oh, that's Sutter Yuba counties. That's not bad. That's not a huge number. I thought it was just Yuba County. So anyway, uh, we have a problem where they just keep we run them out of camps and then they keep moving back in. Now, the, the issue is uh, this is going to come, I guess, before the U.S. Supreme Court. In fact, 33 local governments uh, are are taking this uh, part of this California State Association of Counties uh, and 33 local governments. They're arguing this decision that this uh, federal judge made that, hey, 
if people can't figure out where to live, that's that's the county's problem, not their problem. It's interesting that in our society, the founding fathers believed that if people weren't people of virtue, they were not going to be able to sustain the republic because it 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 is based and relies upon people that are uh, responsible, take personal responsibility. It would never work, uh, and they didn't ever talk about an entitlement mentality or an entitlement economy. Uh, because, you know, it's just like earlier today, a few hours ago, I had a lady call. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of deaths in the area recently, a lot of children dying. And she called me wondering if there is, are, are any programs where people pay to bury your people. And I said, yeah, there is. Uh, the county will bury your people if you don't have any assets. Or it usually it usually comes about where a person dies and they don't can't find anybody that that person belongs to. So they will cremate them for you. And they will cremate them because they got to do something with the body. You can't just leave a body laying around. And so I've had people call me over the years as, well, it, will the government pay for my funeral? Will the government pay to bury my child or my husband or some, something, something? And it's interesting that we just don't automatically think, uh, why would I ask the government for that? That's my responsibility. That's my child. That's my sister. That's my brother. That's my dad. Why would I ever go to the government? Uh, I mean, my dad and mother would be shamed to tears if if, you, if somebody sh suggested that that's what they should do. It's interesting how far we've come from taking care of our own business and taking responsibility of our own lives and managing our lives so we're able to take care of emergencies to the point where we take no thought for paying the bills. And then when the bill comes for the 15th time when we haven't paid it, then we go to Salvation Army or go to some charitable organization and say, I got this 600 or $700 PG&E bill as if PG&E just woke up one morning that's a that's the utility company here. If they like, they just w w woke up one morning and pulled your name out of the lottery to harass, and then came after you. So um, the nonsense of a judge saying that there has to be, if that's what he's saying, I haven't heard it this way before. That there has to be enough beds to take care of all 721 people before you can enforce those ordinances i probably have a, a a discussion every two to three days now uh, i talked to a guy yesterday his wife's in jail he just got out of prison he's living he's he's very skilled he's young uh he's got carpentry welder experience carpentry experience con all kinds of construction experience landscape he had his own landscape business he's living in his car and uh, I said, why don't you go down to the rescue mission? Well, the, you know, in other words, I made some suggestions. Get jobs, do this. Oh, I, yeah, I know about one stop. The guy's fully employable. He could go get a job. Uh, he could get off the streets. And uh, so technically he would be in, in, in this homeless number. Are there beds for him? Uh, yeah, there's beds for him. I suggested that he, instead of going to a, a shelter, he didn't want to go to a shelter to get a get a friend. His his uh, lady's going to be locked up for about 16 months. Get a partner, like another guy or two, and share an apartment. 
you know, there's a lot of ways. But what I find is that people that are in the river bottoms, homeless, they got plenty of excuses why they don't want to do the reasonable thing. Go into a rehab, go to the rescue mission, go to the Salvation Army Depot, go here, go there, try this, try that. Go up to the uh, transitional living home in um, a bunch of homes up in Oroville. There's just there's lots of there's lots of solutions. But the, the deal is the the judge says, well, you got to have enough beds, but then you can't force people to go into rehab or to go into transitional living or share housing. You've got to provide their own house. My friend who I go into uh, jail with just told me I didn't even know she had a brother. And she said, I hadn't seen my brother in 15 years. I got called by the San Francisco Police Department or the Sheriff's Department, one of the two. And they found him dead in his little cubicle that the veterans paid for. He's been a heroin addict for, did she say 50? He's been a heroin addict for 20 to 25 years. First started out on methamphetamines, uh, had had jobs over the years, but then just disappeared. And uh, been living in San Francisco, probably been one of those guys pooping on the streets. And eventually the veterans put him in a little cubicle. A uh, little tiny, tiny studio unit with the basics, and they they had to go pick up all his stuff, his crap, is what he had, a bunch of crap. But he just was life was uh, died in his fifties. He, you know, just like that average age of homeless. I think the 2016-17 or 2017 L.A. County had about about 1,083 or something homeless. You can read my article in the territorialdispatch.biz. It's in the paper right now on, uh, you know, talking about homelessness. The euphemism of homelessness for drugs and alcohol addiction. And then I also wrote the article on, on Rhode Island, who are very aggressive about not letting people leave jail or prison if they're opiate addicts, unless they're on some kind of suboxone or methadone or something, or uh, another product, I can't quote you right now, it starts with a V, vitriol or vilatril or something, that keeps you from, uh, makes you sick if you take heroin or opiates. But they're putting automatically putting people on that to keep the cravings down, and they're aggressively arresting people that commit crimes and getting them into programs and saving their life. And uh, you can read my article on that uh, and find out that other people aren't doing stuff as stupid as the state of California. So uh, we'll get back to this if we have time later, but uh, we just got a few minutes here. I want to cover something else. Hey, I want to say that uh, there's a lot of reasons. Well, let me see. I'm not going to have time for this. I just want to give you this. I saw this on the internet. I thought it was great. They said the Holocaust was was legal. Remember the Holocaust? Germany. There's been a lot of Holocaust, right? The Hutus killing the Tutsis or vice versa. The, you know, uh, the Holocaust in Eastern Europe, uh, the under the Clinton administration. And... Uh, but this is talking about the Jews. It says Holocaust was legal. Hiding Jews was illegal. I want you to think about the the purpose of the law. You think the law is righteous, but many times the law is unrighteous. Holocaust was legal. Hiding Jews was illegal. Slavery was legal. Freeing the slaves was illegal. 
Segregation was legal. Protesting racism was illegal. Killing babies is legal. Killing their killers is illegal. Here's another one. He fought in World War II. He died in 2014. And he registered to vote recently in Virginia. Just a thought. Just a thought. Here's another one. I've been had this hanging on, but I haven't got around to it for weeks. This is the one of the greatest criminals, mooches, scam artists, charlatans we have in America named of all people. He puts a REV in front of his name, Rev Al Sharpton. This is in 1994. This is a quote from Al Sharpton. This guy's a Jew hater. He's a racist from the get-go. He says white folks was, the, the boy actually, he's he's good at, he probably got an A in Ebonics, but in English he can't, he can't speak it. White folks was in the caves while, he, while we was building empires. We taught philosophy and astrology and mathematics before Socrates and them Greek homos ever got around to it. Now, let me just repeat that to you, because this is one of the leaders of the black community in the United States. And uh, the sad thing is that they actually uh, have some respect for this idiot. White folks was in the caves while we was building empires. We taught philosophy and astrology and mathematics before Socrates and them Greek homos ever got around to it. Now, all you liberals out there that, you know, uh, are into homosexuality, but maybe you're also into Al Sharpton. You know, you, you guys are just stabbing each other to death over there. Let me finish this. Another fun one here. I, I called this the ranch owner among socialists. A man owned a small ranch near Great Falls, Montana. The Montana Labor Department got a tip that he was not paying proper wages to his help and sent an investigator out to interview them. Now, I got turned in the same way when I used to run a couple operations, and people got jealous, and they, they turned me over to the Labor Relations Board. Had one of these visits, just like this gentleman. Uh, the investigator said, I need a list of your employees and how much you pay them. I've had that said to me, demanded the investigator. Well, replied the rancher, there's my ranch hand who's been with me for three years, I pay him $1,200 a week plus room and board. The cook has been here for 18 months. I pay her $1,000 a week plus room and board. Then there's the halfwit. He works about 18 hours a day with no days off and does about 90% all the work around here. He makes about $10 per week and pays his own room and board. But I buy him a bottle of bourbon every Saturday night, and he also sleeps with my wife occasionally. That's a guy I want to talk to, that halfwit, says the investigator. The rancher said, well, you're talking to him. So that's how it is a lot of times around here. I remember my dad, who ran a butcher shop for many, many years, always was his own boss, had employees, and he said, Lou, the, my employees make more than I do. It has more benefits than I do. In fact, employees in the state of California are so protected that you could you could do more harm to your kids and not get arrested than you could to your employees and get arrested. 
All right. I'm going to go back up here. We got a few few seconds to go here. And uh, oh, do you remember Brock Turner, the 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 kid that was too good to to ever serve any time? Did you know that when we we lowered the uh, a lot of you voted for this, you wanted to lower the penalties in the state of California on some crimes from a felony to a misdemeanor. One of those was if you had sex with an unconscious woman without her consent, uh, it was only a misdemeanor. Did you know that? It's unbelievable. We vo- people voted for that. I did not. It, there's a picture here. It says, this is Brock. Brock raped a girl behind a dumpster. He was caught by two men, two young men who chased and tackled him. The scene horrified them so much, one man cried as he described what Brock was doing to the unconscious woman. Brock was found guilty and given six-month jail sentence but because, according to the judge, he's a really good athlete and a longer sentence might have a severe impact on his sent uh, on his on him uh brock just a, a side note brock was a, a swimmer for stanford university brock's dad wants you to stop talking about his son being a rapist because he shouldn't be remembered for getting just 20 minutes of action it's interesting if you if, if you just want quick sex then you don't really do too much damage you shouldn't really get known as a rapist <clears throat> Brock's swimming times were posted in a story about the rape. Isn't that interesting that Brock's heroics in the pool were posted in a story about his rapes to show you how, how amazing an athlete he is. Brock Turner, rapist. It's just so interesting on how justice is meted out. The, uh, the judge that uh, was involved in this case was recalled. I believe he was recalled. They had hundreds of thousands of people wanting to recall him. So I think he's moved on. All right, we're going to take a break. And this is our second break. So we'll be doing our third section here in a minute. And uh, this is a great clip. It's Sam Elliott uh, talking about Sergeant Ray Lambert uh, on uh, assaulting the beaches of Normandy. And uh, we'll, we'll be right back. Sergeant Lambert's story is this year's Academy Awarded nominated actor, Sam Elliott. We were headed to Omaha Beach, and I was glad. After all the fighting in Africa and Sicily, I just wanted to get this war over with. It was daylight on the 6th. I went up on deck and found my brother Bill there. We talked about our chances and what our parents would think. About 6 a.m. the signal came to go to stations. My brother and I promised whoever survived would take care of the other's family. And we shook hands and went our separate ways. I climbed down the nets and got into the Higgins boat with my unit. On the way in, we could hear the battleships firing and see, our big, see the big shells landing ahead of us. 
Guys were getting sick and vomiting from the choppy water and the diesel fumes. As we got in closer, the Germans had a bird's eye view of us coming in. We picked up machine gun fire. The bullets clanged against the metal ramp of the boat like hail. Then the big 88s on the hill opened up. Every time a shell whistled overhead, all you could hear was the sound of a banshee screaming. Boats around us were burning. I saw men on fire. Even their shoes were on fire. Dead and wounded were floating in the water. We had orders not to stop and pick anyone up. I told my men when the ramp drops, hit the water hard and keep as low as you can to dodge the bullets. We sank up over our heads. That was the last time I saw most of them. 31 men jumped off that boat. Just seven of them made it to the beach. The only cover was a block of concrete the Germans had failed to clear. That's where I set up a collection point for the casualties. Medics were trained not to dig in. We were there to see the troops and for them to see us. I detailed Corporal Raymond Lepore to hunker down and treat the men while I brought in the injured. Ray and I had been together since 39. I knew I could count on him. It was total confusion. Shells exploding, boats blowing up, people yelling because they couldn't hear anything. Machine gun bullets hitting the water all around you. The roar of the boats coming in. It's like you're all alone in a world of a million people because you're concentrating on what you have to do. Hadn't gone far when I felt a bullet go through my right arm. I just kept going. I was thinking of only one thing, getting to the men who needed me. There was a soldier laying right on the edge of the water. One arm was almost shot off. Every time a wave would come in, that arm would be pulled back out to sea, and he'd try to reach out for it. The first thing you're supposed to do is keep a wounded man from going into shock. But he was too far gone. Nothing I could do for him. He died in my arms. I was on my way to treat another soldier when a piece of shrapnel the size of my hand tore a hole in my left thigh. I put a tourniquet on it, gave myself a shot of morphine, and went back to work. You did the job you were trained to do. If you didn't, you died. I could feel my right arm going numb from the first bullet. Saw a guy struggling in chest-deep water. Grabbed him with my good arm just as a Higgins boat rolled in and dropped its ramp. The ramp hit me right in the back, crushed two vertebrae, and pushed us both to the bottom. That's when I started talking to the one guy I knew could help me. I said, God, I've asked you many times, but just give me another chance. Let me save one more person. And for some reason, that boat raised its ramp and backed out. Somehow I managed to drag his boat to safety. I told Corporal Lepore he'd have to take my place. He stood up and then he just collapsed against my shoulder. His helmet fell off and I saw the hole right in the center. Everything went black after that. The next thing I knew I was on a 
boat going back to England. A Navy doctor looked at my dog tags and he told me, we have another Lambert here. My brother's bill, Stretcher, was put right next to mine on the dock at Weymouth. He'd been on the beach with G Company. We went to the hospital in the same ambulance. When I woke up, he was on the cot next to me. He looked over and said, what are you doing here? Same thing you are, I told him. And he said, oh God, now what's mother gonna think? We both made it out okay. Bill lived to be 92. People who have never been in a war should understand what soldiers give up. The guys we left on Omaha Beach never had a chance to live the lives they've dreamed of. Day hasn't gone by when I haven't prayed for the men we lost and their families. I still wake up at night sometimes thinking about the guys. Every man that walked into those machine guns and that artillery fire on Omaha Beach that day, every man was a hero. What kind of person would I be if I didn't tell their stories? President of the United States or the governor of the state of California or any state that matter, they're busy people if they want to be. They can be as busy as they want to be. There's always something going on. But when when people die in the military or in law enforcement serving the needs of our fellow citizens, protecting them, solving problems, uh, snooping out criminal activity, terrorism, etc., and they die. To me, they deserve uh, not only respect, but contact uh, by top people in the government, and often it should be even from the governor or the president of the United States. And uh, so recently we had uh, four illegal aliens uh, call for, uh, a couple of them call for El Dorado County Sheriff help and uh, sheriff deputy from there and and another county responded and El Dorado uh, County Sheriff Deputy Brian Ishmael was shot and killed and uh, that uh, El Dorado County is one of the more conservative counties in the state of California and it is actually discriminated against <clears throat> by the state government because of their conservative stands and uh, D- John Diagostini is well known throughout the United States as taking a public stand against Barack Obama. And uh, Vice President Joe Biden, when they decided they were going to uh, do an executive action and take control of the guns in the United States, and basically John Agostini said that you will not, uh, that he is going to defend the Constitution, and if that means coming into conflict, conflict with the administration of the entire United States of America, he would do that. He also, in the the United, uh, the National Forest of, that 
that go down through El Dorado County, the forest <clears throat> foresters there were beginning to uh, enforce Agenda 21, which was to keep uh, pedestrians or people or the general public uh, out of the forest from enjoying them, even though the people actually are supposed to own the forest. So because the uh, environmentalist has convinced these various government agencies that that uh, these forests no longer are going to be available to the public, uh, they were actually pulling guns on people up there. So, and they were citing them. And Augustini, John Augustini, uh, told the the federal, uh, the Department of Forestry or whatever you want to call it, the state government, Bureau of Land Management, whatever. Uh, to knock it off, and that he wasn't going to, uh, he was going to disallow all those citations. He did that with over 50 of them before they quit citing people for coming into the uh, National Forest. So he told reporters, John D. Agostini, the sheriff, said an illegal alien murdered my deputy. As the sheriff also noted, noticeably absent from my deputy's funeral on Tuesday was the governor of the state. Asked whether Newsom's absence was a sign of disrespect for his department and the slain officer's family, D. Augustini said, absolutely, very much so. I appreciate John uh, D. Augustino. John actually has a set of nuts on him, which most of our leaders, sheriffs or not, police chiefs or not, uh, don't have those anymore. I think their, their, their ladies need to check them out and maybe order them some from Amazon.com whether it's uh, supervisors or city council, they just go along to get along, and they'll be licking. Uh, if if Newsom came to town, they'd be licking his little butt is what they'd be doing, leaving some DNA on his backside. So Brian Ishmael was a deputy uh, and in Colorado County, which tends to vote Republican. And the county courthouse in Placerville, which is in Colorado County, it's uh, the capital uh, or the the, the seat of the county, is more than 100 years old. Can you imagine? I, I don't know how they ended up with a a courthouse that is over 100 years old. I mean, we built a new courthouse back in the 1960s here, and then we remodeled the entire thing and expanded the jail in the 1990s, and now we're getting ready to do something again. But for 100 years, it's 100 years old in very poor condition. An item in the state budget would have set aside $2.8 million to buy land for a new courthouse. We just got a new courthouse in Sutter County a couple of years ago. It's beautiful. It's a critical need, but Governor Newsom vetoed the item out of the budget. Now, isn't that interesting how uh, a socialist politician would punish the remaining counties that are staunch conservative counties? Newsom, it says, would not be the first to use the budget as a political payback. But there's more to this quarrel with El Dorado County Republican voters. Newsom recently told Politico, it's, it's a magazine, the xenophobia, the nativism, the fear of the other, scapegoating, talking down or past people, the hysteria, and so on. We're not going to put up with that in California. We're going to push back. For their part, Republicans are into the politics of what California was in the 1990s, and they'll go the same direction into the waste bin of history, the way Republicans of the 90s have gone. In other words, 
he's he's into trashing Republicans and uh, he's just disregarding them. So uh, three years after voters rejected an initiative to end the death penalty and passed a measure to speed up executions. Right. I thought we had a, a, a government of the people by the people for the people and a constitution to protect our rights. Right. Not given by government, but given by God. Government Governor Newsom came in, granted a reprieve of to all 737 convicted murders on California's death row. In other words, we're not going to be we're not going to be having any more appeals. We're not going to be we're not going to be killing these people. These were the worst of the worst of the worst killers in California, including Richard Allen Davis, who broke into the house and stole Polly Kloss, a young adolescent, uh, out of her home and assaulted, molested her and killed her. Polly Kloss, K-L-A-S, she was famous. She was 12 years old at the time. Newsom's reprieve also included Mexican national Luis Bracamontes, who in 2014 gunned down Sacramento County police officers Danny Oliver and Michael Davis at his trial, this career criminal and repeat deportee said he wished he had killed more cops. On October 23rd, the day Brian Ishmael was murdered, Governor Newsom said in a statement that Jennifer and I, I guess Jennifer's his wife. I don't know. I don't know how many wives he's had, but he has trouble sticking with one person. Jennifer and I were terribly saddened to learn that the Deputy Ishmael was shot and killed this morning while courageously serving, protecting the people of El Dorado County. Our thoughts and prayers are with the loved ones, friends, and colleagues during this painful time. Here's what he doesn't state. Here's what he doesn't find any criticism for. He is uncritical of the accused murderer, Juan Carlos Vasquez Orozco, who illegally present in the United States and in the state of California, which is a sanctuary state now because of them because of Brown and Newsom. The governor was also silent on the sanctuary state law that protected this accused murder and hindered the investigation. The governor made no mention of gun violence, even though the murder weapon was a nine millimeter pistol registered to somebody else that is now even deceased. As the murder confirmed criminals do not follow California gun laws. So the governor wants to spend $100 million on health care for those illegally present in the United States but can't fund the El Dorado County Courthouse. By deliberately avoiding Deputy Brian Ishmael's funeral, Governor Newsom was only being consistent with his priorities, but it absolutely was disrespect for the officer, his department, his family, and for all law-abiding citizens. So you have an opportunity to get off your butt and recall the governor and begin to recall every one of these perverts and weirdos and communists and socialists, whatever you want to call them, that have taken over our government in the state of California. Now you think, oh, well, what could I do? I'm just one person. You can, you can register to vote. And when you register, you can also sign a recall petition you can go on the internet at recallnewsom.us, recallnewsom with no e, 
on Newsom. Recall Newsom.us. You could download your own petition, sign your own petition, have your neighbor sign it, and uh, send it on in. If you don't have a computer, that's not a problem. I'm going to give you a phone number if you're in the Yuba Sutter County's area. If you're out of state, you don't get to participate in this, unfortunately. Unless you're a Democrat, then you can vote in any state you want. So I'm going to give you a number for Elite Universal Security. That's Monty Hecker's operation at 530-749-0280. 530-749-0280 if you have any questions. But... All you have to do is drive to his location at 5548 Feather River Boulevard. And you can sign up there 24 hours a day because it's a dispatch center for his security business. It's just south of Marysville. 530-749-0280. So you think, oh, Lou, I'm, I don't want to drive all the way into to Yuba County. I'm over here in Calusa County or I'm up in Nevada County or I'm up I'm somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. I still want you to call over there to 530-749-0280. Monty is, is not the, the official coordinator for Yuba County, but he is, uh, he's plugged into the system of recall, the recall network, and he will direct you to somewhere that you can get a petition started up there, and you can sign your own, get your friends to sign them, and get them in. We need a, a million and a half signatures by, I think, end of January or something of 2020 to get it on the 2020 ballot. Now that's, you think, what, what can I do? You can talk to your neighbors. You can, you can call your, your local supervisors or city council that you don't like the way the government's being run. You can write letters to the editor. You can, you can post things on Facebook. You can take a stand on things. The reason we are in the situation that we're in is that the people that are good people here that are pay taxes and are law-abiding have just sat by and thought everything will just be fine without me getting involved. And so what happens is people are brought into this country illegally, and that's what happened to Virginia, by the way, if you saw that it, it went, the illegal aliens basically, and immigrants have voted and switched that whole state from a red state to a blue state, right? And so that's what's happened here. Uh, when Reagan uh, uh, said that we can, President Reagan uh, authorized amnesty, basically that that created a voting situation that changed this state, the state of California, from red to blue. And it will probably never change back in my lifetime and maybe never change. But you can do something locally. Nobody predicted that it, look at some of those uh, collages or compilations on YouTube of all the networks that just laughed and cackled at the thought of, of Donald Trump being elected president and all these very people that are so full of themselves and arrogant and supposedly bright said, Oh yeah, that's ridiculous. Mock, 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 mock. And who would have thought Donald Trump would have got elected president? So they're still not over it. They're still butthurt over it that they're back there trying to impeach him today. So you can contact Elite Universal Security if you want to find out where in your county in California you can go do something. Listen, set a goal to go out and get 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 signatures. I took uh, some, some forms to our church. We signed up between 100 and 200 people right away out there. Very easy because people are fed up with what's going on in the state. 
So, but you just can't be fed up. You just can't whine about it, complain about it. You got to do something about it. So get off your fat butt and go do something. Okay, so also I want to thank Monty Hecker, Elite Universal Security, for supporting this. Uh, we don't, uh, nobody's making a lot of money over here at No Hostages Radio. What we're trying to do is make a statement where uh, somebody is going to influence somebody. So we thought we're going we're gonna to try to influence somebody over here. So I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to change the view of those that are on the hard left, liberal, all those people. I, I, you got your mind made up, love you and all that stuff, not, not even worried about you. What I'm trying to do is educate people that want the America that we started out with and the America that we have that's so successful today in spite of all the socialists. So Monty Hecker will put you to work if you want a job. You want a security job, maybe they got jobs. They got lots of different jobs, all to do with running a business, dispatching, clerical, uh, being a guard, they got lots of jobs from down in the Sacramento area, all up, all the way up into Southern Oregon. They run their headquarters in Yuba County here. You can you can dial them up at five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero. You you they'll teach you how to be a guard. They have classes online api academycom api-academy.com. You can check them out. You can start taking classes. You can go in there and find out what's up with that deal, whether you want to pack a gun or you want to be an unarmed guard. They have all kinds. They protect government. They protect private property. They protect businesses. They protect homes. So check it out. Uh, They also are offering classes. If you want to pack a gun in case you need to shoot something or somebody, uh, you can. uh, They'll train you how to do that and get you the certification to get your concealed or either they can get you the exposed firearm and the concealed weapons course, either one. So uh, the next exposed firearm and concealed weapons course will be, let's see, the full course is on November 23rd. And, uh, and November 24th, but also, they're going to do, let's see, on November 10th, they're also going to, I don't know if that's going to be a renewal on November 10th, but you can uh, find that out. Our next firearms course is as follows, November 23rd, that's initial firearms or CCW training, that's a classroom, and then the range is the next day. So maybe the November 10th is requalification, but you can call them and find out. And uh, so if you want to get some training and you want to get, license properly to be able to hide that weapon until you need it just get it on protect yourself they're also offering a taser course on december 7th but they need a taser and pepper spray they need a minimum of three people so if a couple of you ladies want to get together maybe some of you ladies in a little coffee group bible study or whatever want to get together just go out there and take that course and then spray somebody when they get in your face don't take no crap just take care of business so uh, that's Monty Hecker, and we thank him. He's been one of our uh, longer supporters. The second year he's been supporting us, and, and we sure appreciate it because it covers some of the basic costs. I wanted to mention also a uh, great uh, theater. If you like a live theater, I do. Uh, they've done, I think they told me the other day, they did 11, 10 or 11 new songs, total original songs. They created a play called Mary Mary. It's set uh, based upon the life of uh, Mary and that's talked about in the Bible, the mother of Jesus. It's, the, it's, it's kind of a Christmas setting 
play. It's going to be conducted at the uh, Glad Tidings uh, Theater or Embassy Theater, they call it out there at Light uh, 99 in Eager Road or 1179 Eager Road is the actual number. And uh, it's free every night, 7 o'clock, December 6th through 10th. Very easy to get to, easy parking. They have security there. It's, uh, it's easy. And you can bring your kids. You'll, it's a family event. And the write-up by the uh, writer of this play, the, the person who put the play together, helped put all the music together, the script, uh, coached the actors, uh, the directed everything, Leslie Greenitz, her husband did all the set. He's a carpenter. He's a, a, a licensed contractor, but they make beautiful sets. So um, this Christmas says we invite you to visit Israel in the year 0000 to explore the life of Mary, Jesus' mother, just an average teenage girl in the town of Nazareth, born to Jewish parents. She had brothers. She had sisters, friends, extended family, had responsibilities at home while nurturing dreams of her own. The event that set her apart was sealed when she put all that aside and said yes to God's call, unknowingly setting in motion hell's opposition to the miracle of bringing salvation to all men. Share her faith, her obstacles, her triumph as she chooses obedience to heaven's call. I like this whole thing of focusing on the resistance that she felt uh, when she said yes to God. All hell broke out against her. They had to run for their lives. People, just like the same today, people wanted to kill them. They wanted to kill that baby. So they had to flee Israel, and they went over to Egypt. Wasn't wasn't going to be the first time that Israelis ever fled to Egypt, to people trying to kill people or, or starve them out. So you can check that out, and they uh, it's, it's a free evening. Uh, they do take a, a collection, I think, to support the uh, just the, all the costs of putting on a play, which are big. They So anyway, check it out. There's a lot of good things going on in the holidays, and a lot of them are just totally free, and they're all family memory-type uh, operations. There's, there's refreshments uh, that you can get for your kids or you probably hot apple cider and coffee and some snacks uh during the play so december 6th through 10th 7 p.m nightly okay we're going to this is finish the third segment uh and we're going to take a break here and uh, you're going to listen to what the mainstream media was afraid to tell you we'll be right back and i'm just going to take a drink of water and get it on here afraid to tell you about the news this week. This week, while the mainstream media obsessed over liberals protesting First Lady Melania Trump cuddling sick babies at the hospital, here are the things that happened that really matter. Seven-year-old James Younger, the Texas boy whose mother tried to force him to transition to a transgender girl named Luna, 
chose to go to school dressed as a boy and wanted to be called James after a judge ruled that neither the mother nor the father could make that decision for him. James was allowed to decide for himself. And James chose to be the boy he was born to be. Contradicting his mother's claims that she was not forcing him to be transgender, even though she'd been telling him since he was three that he was a girl. But did the mainstream media report this to you? No, no. If you do not watch conservative media, you won't hear about this heartbreaking case of child abuse. Contrary to the Democrat claims that President Trump lost in Kentucky after Republican Governor Matt Bevin seemingly lost his seat to Democrat Attorney General Andy Beshear, the GOP actually won five out of six seats in Kentucky, including electing the first black attorney general, Republican Daniel Cameron. In fact, Governor Bevin himself was down by double digits, according to some polls, in the weeks leading up to the election. And in the wake of President Trump's rally in in Bevin's support in Kentucky, Bevin ended up only losing by less than 1% to the Democrat. But did the mainstream media report the context of all the elections in Kentucky? Nope. The mainstream media are in the pocket of the Democrats, and Democrats want you to think Trump lost in Kentucky. Joy Behar on The View says the Democrats should not tell people what their plans are until after they're in office, and only then they should confiscate people's guns. It's a pretty serious threat, right? I think that's what we call authoritarianism. But did the mainstream media or any of the Democrat candidates condemn this idea of undermining the will of the voters? Nope. Nobody on the left said a word. Florida Agricultural Commissioner wants to change concealed carry laws to require renewal every five years instead of seven and require classes every time you renew versus classes only at the initial application. This is thought by many to be a ploy for money and something that would not increase the safety of people in Florida. But did the mainstream media report to you about this power grab from the commissioner in Florida? No, no, they didn't. CBS fired the former ABC employee turned whistleblower who turned out not to be the whistleblower who did not release the video of Amy Robach admitting that she had all the information on the Jeffrey Epstein story three years ago, but ABC nixed the story and wouldn't let it go to air because ABC didn't want to suffer the repercussions. Instead of investigating why ABC nixed such a huge, huge story, CBS colluded with ABC to punish a woman who wasn't even the whistleblower. They fired her. But did the mainstream media report this to you? Barely a word about their fellow news outlets sacrificing journalism for ideology and ignoring fact. The mainstream media doesn't care to report any of that to you, so we will. What's that you say? Oh man, no way. I wanted to also mention um, that Dave Greenitz, with uh, that I mentioned, he and his wife have helped put on these Creative Light Theater. They created the Creative Light Theater. I think about tw- twenty-five or more years ago, and uh, they use actors 
from all over the area. They don't have necessarily have to be involved in glad tidings, but a lot of them are. Uh, but they have uh, been servants making our community a better place, right? And have done so all uh, donating their time. Thousands and thousands of hours. I can't, tens of thousands of hours. I don't know how many hours it takes to put on one play. It's just phenomenal. All the technology people, they show film clips during these plays. It's unbelievable. Fresh music. Ronnie Rollins does a lot of the uh, original music. It's it's totally cool. Lighting, painting, all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. So Dave Greenitz is able to do this because he runs one of the most successful contracting businesses in, in the area. He's not massive. It's not like they're working all over the United States or all over California. He just focuses on doing really amazing remodels of kitchens and baths and front doors, entryways, decks, even even does some uh, puts in some uh, whole house fans to lower your PG&E bills, your utility bills. But he just does some tremendous uh, quality work. And even in the downturn in the economy, he was able to stay busy because of repeat customers and word of mouth because he didn't have to beg people to try him out. People have already tried him and said, this guy does great work. We would never recommend anybody else. It's like, we would never use anybody else. Unbelievable. So uh, you don't have to take my word for it because you think, oh, he just supports your show. Yeah, he supports the show. I don't make a nickel on the deal, but it just supports staying on the air. But uh, I would, even if he didn't, uh, I would promote him because uh, it's, it's you know, if you're going to spend five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, $20,000 on a whole house, you know, Doing a redo, a remodel, a redo uh, of your kitchen. Make it larger, smaller, more light, less light. Upgrade everything. Bathroom. Walk into your bathroom. Make it look like a waterfall. Outdoors. It's just amazing what they can do today. And so uh, they do amazing stuff. So you can go on his website or his facebook site i'm going to give you the coordinates and i'm going to give you a phone number so grab yourself something to sketch with green it's construction that's green with etz on the end green construction.com and you can see the work he does the lots of photographs there not photoshops off the internet of something that it might look like these are actual finished product all local folks doing the work subcontractors that he uh he picks greenitzconstruction.com or you could just go to Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook, right? On Facebook. And you'll see some similar stuff there, before and afters or afters. Or you could call him at 530 530-682-9602. 530-682-9602. 530-682-9602. Or I think right, I know off the uh, website you can just email him and ask him questions about specific types of uh, uh, work that he does, and he can hook you up. So I use him. Uh, I've worked with Dave for 40 years. He is not new to me. I know the family. I know the names of his kids. I know about them, and I know where they live, and we work together on projects. So check it out. All right, um, 
I wanted to talk about this the slow but steady march towards uh, sexual deviancy. So many, many years ago, homosexual people began to say, we want to be more uh, acknowledged and um, we, we don't want to have to be ashamed of our behavior. We want to be acknowledged and respected for our behavior. And uh, in our society, American society has been a fairly tolerant society. And uh, so people thought, well, uh, you, you know, we're not telling you what you have to do. We, we, this is what we believe. But if you want to do something different, you can do that. Uh, just stay in your lane. And so a lot of heterosexual people or Bible-believing people, God-fearing people, they thought, hey, you know, we're in a country that uh, that was based on biblical things. But if you know, we aren't a we aren't a total totalitarian country or a communist country where we actually would persecute people for behavior contrary to what we believe, unless they broke the law. So anyway, that was the beginning of it, right? And then the next thing was, well, we well we want to get married, and we want to change the definition of marriage, okay? And then we want to teach it in the schools that it's actually normal behavior, and you might be one. Even though you've got male plumbing, you may be a female or vice versa. And we want to be able to teach that in schools. And then then it went from homosexuality to transsexuality and then getting into all the genders. And now we have a total chaotic mess in our public systems where it's not just about two adult people wanting to go in the, the privacy of their own home and do whatever they want to do, whether they're heterosexual or homosexual. But now we've got to a situation where um, people want us to believe that God actually created a whole variety of genders instead of God creating male and female and the Democrats created all the other genders. They, they're trying to put that, that God created all these other folks, and, and we as humans just have been slow to catch up with identifying it that way. So if, a number of years ago, the Democrats who control the state of California have and had a supermajority for a lot of the years, but have controlled basically controlled the state for 50 years, uh, all of a sudden uh, they got so excited about Harvey Milk, who was a pedophile, I say was because he's dead now. He was shot to death down in San Francisco. Uh, he was a pedophile. He was a lot of other things that really we don't we wouldn't put on a pedestal for. For instance, he was a liar, uh, a prolific liar. And uh, but he was a pedophile, and he preferred to have sex with young boys. And but but the uh, the state of California wanting to force this belief system upon the people that live here, they created a day called Harvey Milk Day, which is in May of each year, where the school system is asked to honor him and to tell about him and tell of all the wonderful things he did, which is if the only way you can do that honestly is fabricate it because he was a total jerk. So now uh, this thing keeps marching forward, and uh, 
it it came up recently. Now this is a jump over the water into England, but uh, a former Labor cabinet minister Patricia Hewitt is now apologizing for links to the pedophilia group in the 1970 when she endorsed pedophilia and she was a top politician in Britain and it just shows you how these things go uh, she said that she had called for the age of sexual consent to be lowered to 10 Right. So in other words, you can have sex all the way down to a 10 year old and you're good to go without problem. The document published in the former labor cabinet minister's name also called for incest to be legalized. Incest, that's sex with your family members, fellow family members. Uh, so it's happening all over. Well, a lot of places in the Western world. Right. Some in the other parts of the world are tossing homosexuals that aren't into, even into pedophilia off the top of buildings. That would be your Muslim folks. So this other article by Tyler Durden, D-U-R-D-E-N, says San Diego State University normalizes pedophilia as a sexual orientation. San Diego State University is teaching students that pedophilia, having sex with young children, could merely be considered to be an alternative sexual orientation. So if you're a 55-year-old guy like Harvey Milk, and if he would have waited till the boys turned 18 or so, then he could have sex with them and he'd be good to go. But instead, he couldn't wait. And, and actually, younger uh, teen boys are easier to manipulate than the older they get. So he liked to have sex with the youngsters. So he actually violated the law, and the legislature of the of the state of California just looked the other way. In fact, they gave him an award, and Hollywood turned around and made a movie about him, which was a dishonest movie, and uh, they called it Milk. Um, so there was a movie they watched an eight-minute Vice News video showcase showcasing self-identified pedophiles. In other words, it wasn't like I called them that. They called them themselves that. And uh, it says this is going to be mainstreamed. So that's that's a Tyler Durden's take. But to bring it closer to home, Katie Grimes, who writes for The Globe, says California Democrats author bill to protect sex offenders who lure L-U-R-E, minors. It's odd that a lot of these Democrats who do weird sexual stuff have the last name Wiener. Just an odd thing. Scott Wiener, Senator, Democrat, San Francisco, and Assemblywoman Susan Eggman. That's another weird last name. Hold that thought. Democrat Stockton introduced recent legislation to end blatant discrimination against LGBTXYOMG. Um... Young people regarding California's sex offender registry didn't like to if, if young people have sex uh, with underage kids, they don't want them to end up on the sex registry, which we have in the state of California, which keeps a list of sex registrants who who have violated other people. And so then wherever they go, they have to register. If they move from town to town, they have to register with the city police or county sheriff and and let them know their current address, but they're on a registry that they're alive and they're living 
in the the state of California. So Scott Weiner and Susan Eggman cranked out Senate Bill 145. The offenders would not have to automatically register as sex offenders if the offenders are within 10 years of the age of the minor. So if a 15, so if I was 25, I could have sex with the 15 year old up to 15 and I could have sex with him or her and not be have to be listed on the registration. Wiener claims the current law disproportionately targets LGBTXYOMG uh, young people for mandatory sex offender registration since LGBTX people usually cannot engage in vaginal in- intercourse. Now, I, I, I don't even know. There's a lot of things that I even know people that have gone to jail for a long time and are on the sex registration deal and didn't have any vaginal intercourse. They just simply grabbed a person in the wrong spot, fondled them, and that was called a molest, right? You heard of molestation? It doesn't ha- you don't have to have penetration. Now, Harvey Melt penetrated. He penetrated as often as he could penetrate and uh, put it in any hole in a youngster he could find. And, and we have to honor him every year. Harvey Milk, Milk Day. Where do people get these last names? Wiener, Milk, Eggman, all per- perverts. Existing law, it talks about existing law requ- requires a person convicted of a certain sex crime to register with law enforcement as a sex offender while residing in California while attending school or working in California. I told you that already, but I just thought I'd read it straight up here. Wiener says, currently for consensual, consensual means you're okay with it, yet illegal sexual relations. So, for instance, if I had a 15-year-old girl, and, I'm, and I was 25, and she says, I want to have sex with you, we have sex. The old law said she really isn't old enough, mature enough to make that big decision of having sex with an older guy. She's, she's, she may understand what she's doing but she doesn't really understand what she's doing the impact of it because her maturity level so he says currently the consensual yet illegal sexual relations between a teenager age 15 and over and a partner say within 10 years of age sexual regarding sexual intercourse i.e vaginal intercourse does not require the offender to go on the sex registry i i didn't know that and i'm disappointed that's that's that way rather the judge can can call that however he or she wants it. By contrast, for other forms of intercourse, specifically oral and anal, which Harvey Milk specialized in, sex offender registration is mandated under all all situations. So Wiener is trying to make this a fairer thing of going on the uh, registry. So let let me tell you what they'd write up here, SB 145. Wiener and Eggman said they're trying to do this and that, clean up, the, make this fairer. But the bill, according to Katie Grimes, does much more. SB 145 would allow a sex offender who lures a minor with the intent to commit a felony, i.e. a sexual act, the ability, uh, it, it would allow the sex offender the ability to escape registering as a sex offender as long as the offender is within 10 years of age. No specification is made as to whether the sex offender is straight or LGBT. SB 145 would add a section to the state's penal code 
stipulating as long as the offender is not more than 10 years older than a minor, they are not automatically mandated to register. There is no age limit or range specified except for the existing law, existing law, which already excludes lewd acts with children under 14. SB 145 appears to allow adults to victimize minors by luring them with the intent to have sex and then shields the predator from being automatically registered as a sex offender, as in the case of a 25-year-old luring a 15-year-old for sex or a 22-year-old luring a 12-year-old for sex. So uh, we are moving towards, in fact, there's groups of people that have formed organizations uh, legal organizations that their sole goal is to change the law to be able to have sex with any age kid as long as you can prove that they consented to the sex. In the old way, old days, we, our society felt that male and female children, doesn't matter what you have, are not really old enough to consent to sex under 18 even though we know kids, some young kids have sex before 18 with each other. What they don't want, what society hasn't wanted in the past, is adult people, 18 and above, having sex with kids because they're more mature and they can manipulate. And what they, the term they use here is lure, L-U-R-E. The same thing as having a fishing lure, right? What does a fishing lure do? A fishing lure deceives a fish so you can kill him and violate that fish, right? A lure. And what they talk about here is luring a young person so you can have sexual relationships with them. I don't know why they just don't, these people, I guess they want to just go cheap. You can always pay somebody to have sex with you whether they like you or not. But a lot of these people, want to, it's more exciting to lure people into coming into these situations. So that's Scott Weiner and, uh, and Assemblyman or Senator Eggman. I think it's Senator Eggman and Weiner. And uh, they're all getting together following in Harvey Milk's wake. Where do they get these names anyway? How come we can't just have Jones that's a good homosexual or a deviant or a transsexual, right? I don't know. But I, I just saw a picture of a transsexual doing a, a story talk. Honestly, the person was so scantily clad, you could see everything. And right in front of these little, like, fourth graders, third graders, I thought, you know, something, we've lost our, our, we've lost our minds. We've just, we've just lost our minds. So it's, it's a crazy deal. Uh, so th we'll see whether governor's going to sign that, but that's what's going down. And uh, this is so Katie Grimes wrote the article. She's editor of the California Globe. Katie Grimes has been writing for all kinds of different uh, organizations. She's an investigative journalist covering the state capitol. And she wrote an, uh, a book called California's War Against Donald Trump. Who wins? Who loses? Okay, so we're gonna we got uh, four sections under our belt today, and we're gonna go for a fifth section here in a minute. And but before that, I'm gonna play you a clip by Save California, and uh, a little about Chick Fil A.
battle and you must choose sides. I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. The problem is Gavin Newsom and the Democrat politicians have approved a boatload of bad bills, from handing out abortion pills to college girls, to promoting to kids the big lie of sex changes, to trampling independent contractors, to awarding citizenship rights to illegals, to threatening gun owners. Newsom has signed some truly radical bills affecting your way of life. Another big problem in California California is blatant school sexual indoctrination being pushed on children in K through 12 government schools. It's teaching sexual anarchy. Anything goes. Please help me fight the good fight to inform parents and voters what's going on. See how you can join the fight at SaveCalifornia.com. Fighting the good fight for your values in California. Oh, Clark, what's wrong? Honey, <laughs> it's bigger than you expected. <laughs> Smaller? <laughs> what is it? It says here, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh, Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. Chick-fil-A I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Suddenly I need waffle fries in front of me With some nuggets and a large sweet tea Oh, Chick-fil-A you set me free Kids get in the van So we can go there today But their stores are closed Oh, I know, cause it's Sunday Chick-fil-A What a dirty, rotten trick to play now I have to settle for Subway Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A mm -hmm. Chick-fil-A I wanted to tell you about another one of our uh, helpers that keeps us trucking along here, and that's Ted Holmes with the Plumbing Doctor here in Yuba Sutter area. They serve Yuba Sutter counties primarily, and they do all kinds of like small stuff. Like they've fixed my leaks over here and hot water heater, repaired leaks, water was running out underneath my home, pipe broke, hot water running all over the place, steam coming up to toilets that needed to be replaced and get me to save more water because water here is like, it's like oil. It's like expensive over here in, in Marysville. It's very expensive. Really expensive. It's more expensive than any in the surrounding jurisdictions. Yuba City, Oliver, Slenda, the foothills, boom. It's very expensive. Don't move to Marysville if you, unless you've got lots of extra money because the water will kill you here. 
So, uh, anyhow, uh, forgot why I even got off on that water deal, but it's just so shocking that, uh, so Ted Holmes saved me a lot of money on the plumbing doctor. Because they came in here one day, they said, Lou, how come you got all these really old toilets there? And I said, what's wrong with them? They still work. They said, yeah, they still work, but they're using like two or three times as much water. As soon as they said that, I thought I saw I saw dollar signs coming across the, my eyeballs. And I said, let's pull them all out and replace them, which we did. So the other thing that happens, I guess, in our area over here in the old part of Marysville is there's lots of trees and the, the tree roots get into the old, old uh sewage lines that run out to the street which back in the day they were made made out of just uh, i think they called it orange bird or something like that it was like rolled paper and oil and uh, tar and after the years and years and years of pressure it it squeezes down and it loses their circular shape and uh, it squeezes down and kind of looks looks more elliptical so it doesn't pass stuff like it used to and stuff gets caught and gets all smashed down there, so they need to replace it and put in like some other type of solid, harder pipe, like plastic or cast iron or something. Anyway, some of those break down, and also lead-ins from the water district, you know. And of course, the Cal Water will charge you a fortune to hook up a new lead-in line. So when that happens, you know whether you kind of get rid of water or wanting to bring water in, it's important to keep that together. So if you want to reach out to them. And they'll come 24 hours a day. They can call them at 530-671-9111. 530-671-9111. So I, I mentioned earlier that there was like 750 or 775,000 people that le left the state last year. Who are those people? I think a lot of them are young people because I think I remember back to those days when I bought my first house. And I thought, oh, baby, this is going to be it a leap here to get a down payment and and uh so my situation my my dad helped me loan me a, a little uh seed money and i was it helped me pony up enough money to get a down payment back then they were very serious you had to put a lot of had to have a lot of skin in the game maybe you had to anyway i can't even remember the percentages but it was a lot more money than you have to put up today and the interest rates that to carry the note was was a lot higher so a lot of young people are leaving the state that uh, if, the, if, you're, if you're a Silicon Valley young person, those guys are, and gals are making so much money that they'll stick around because that's where the action is unless you want to move down to Texas where there's a, new Silicon Valleys being constructed in cheaper areas. But for the other folks that are making money like in the trades or all kinds of government or whatever, they just can't afford to live here and Raise, start out having kids and all the expenses of raising kids. So I think a lot of them are leaving. But also, also the people leaving are retired California law enforcement and firefighters. And uh, so a guy wrote this article, and he's retired as a retired cop. And uh, he says, upon retirement, my wife and I sold our home, packed the U-Haul, loaded the dogs, and moved to Texas. Our daughter and her family had previously located to Texas, so that motivated us, but ongoing state politics made the decision. Now, this is a, a retired cop. Uh, these are salt-of-the-earth type people. Moreover, he said, I personally know dozens of others who have done likewise. My retired law enforcement peers have primarily been relocating to Texas, Idaho, Montana, and Arizona. 
My biggest issues for leaving California continue to be degradation in the quality of life and overburdensome taxes. Does this sound familiar? New Yorkers, I've heard much of the same from your end of the country. The quality of life issues are experienced firsthand by police officers. Don't you know it? Have you ever ridden with the cops? Come on, man. You see, I remember when a police chief in Yuba City, I asked him if I could ride along. I'd never ridden along before, and I was working for the Church of Glad Tidings. He said, well... He's just going to shock you because he said he's going to. He said most of the people you run with go to sleep at night because they have to go to work the rest of the day. So the rest of society's up the rest of the night. It's going to be an eye opener for you. It was. So it, he says here, dealing with rampant drug use, unabated crime, diseases spread through mass homelessness, is sickening. Furthermore, local and state policies that reduce or eliminate consequences have created a system that profits criminal activity and promotes laziness by getting attached to the public trough. That means paying people to stay addicted, paying people to do nothing, paying people to be lazy, slothful, jerks. He says, sadly, we left behind two sons who have since married and are trying to make their way. As a result, we visit California some. I miss our family and friends, not to mention the fabulous weather. He said, I do not miss the junk created by failed policies and deceptive laws. Cops don't talk like this until they retire, but here we go. This is pretty interesting. He said, I recently met a friend who is a retired California law enforcement officer for lunch at a trendy location near my home in Texas. She and her retired DEA husband, that's in drug enforcement agency husband recently moved to the bay from the bay area to texas did you find a place to park i asked due to the crowded area in which we were meeting are you kidding she replied the no cost parking structure was clean i didn't need to step over a homeless person or get accosted by an aggressive panhandler and the elevator didn't smell like piss and shit <laughs> i love this yeah, no problem. Easiest public parking I've seen in years, she said. Now, these are cops who've been down there and seen everything. Since moving to Texas, I've heard hundreds of horse, horse stories from California cops fighting against a state system that is unexplainably favorable to abhorrent behavior to the degree that middle-class Californians are fed up and seeking a better quality of life elsewhere when i read this i think of this poor lady the other day that a homeless person according to my poop reporter eddie he says this homeless person poured a bucket of diarrhea over her that's what i call an abhorrent situation abhorrent behavior californians are fed up and seeking a better quality of life elsewhere he writes our first three years in texas this is amazing this guy this cough our first three years in Texas were spent in a rural part of Collin County, C-O-L-L-I-N County, about an hour north of Dallas. Just think of yourself, if you're living in Marysville or Yuba City, that's in about an hour north of Sacramento. Think of an hour north of Dallas. He said, uh, so he says, my youngest son on the phone asked this. He said, what do you think about it, Dad? So he said, the cop said, I held my cell phone up to the sky and inquired, can you hear that? Hear what? He said, 
Exactly. You don't hear a siren, do you? I haven't heard a siren in two years while living on this property an hour north of Dallas. That's amazing. He hadn't heard, hadn't heard a siren, this cop. Moreover, I haven't been aggressively approached by a vagrant, and we don't have graffiti in in the two years that I've been in, t in north this North Texas town, North Texas area. No, he hadn't been hit up. I get hit up every single day in Marysville, every single day. He does not get, he, in two years, he hasn't heard a siren. I'm in downtown Marysville. I hear multiple sirens every single day. They're all coming to the hospital over here. But in that, in that area, it's just quiet. He's just loving it. He says, admittedly, this is rural life in America. But serenity is something sought after after you're spending a life in law enforcement. Victor David Hansen is a senior uh, fellow in military history at the Hoover Institute at Stanford University and a professor emeritus of classics at California State University, Fresno. He wrote a piece that captures the problems of California. So I'm going to read this to you because you're probably not going to get to see this, and I want to jam it in here. It says, Californians know that having tens of thousands of homeless in the major cities is un unworkable. In some places, municipal sidewalks have become open sewers of garbage, used needles, rodents, and infectious diseases. Yet no one dares question progressive orthodoxy by enforcing drug and, drug and vacancy laws, moving the homeless out of cities to suburban or rural facilities, or increasing the number of mental hospitals. Taxpayers in California whose basket of sales, gasoline, and income taxes is the highest in the nation quietly seethe while immobile while immobile on antiquated freeways that are crowded, dangerous, and under nonstop makeshift repair. Gas prices of 4 to $5 a gallon, the result of high taxes, hyper-regulation, and green mandates. Add insult to injury of stalled com commuters. Gas tax increases ostensibly intended to free fund freeway expansion and repair continue to be diverted to the state's failing high-speed rail project. Residents shrug that the state's public schools are among the poorest in the entire nation, often ranking in the bottom quadrant in standardized test scores. Elites publicly oppose charter schools, but often put their kids in the very same private academies. Californians know that to venture into a typical municipal emergency room is to descend into a modern Dante's Inferno. Medical facilities are overcrowded. They can be as unpleasant as they are bankrupting to the vanishing middle class that must f face exorbitant charges to bring in an injured or sick child. No one would dare connect the crumbling infrastructure, poor schools, and failing public health care with the non-enforcement of immigration laws, which has led to a massive influx of undocumented immigrants from the poorest regions of the world who often arrive without fluency in English or high school education. Stores are occasionally hit by swarming looters, like out here in Walmart. <laughs> or the, uh, oh, the Harbor Freight is another one. Such Wild West criminals know how to keep their thefts under $950, ensuring that such misdemeanors do not warrant police attention. California's permissive laws have decriminalized thefts and break-ins. The result is that San Francisco now has the highest property crime per capita in the state. I think in 2017, 
I think in my article I wrote for the Territorial Dispatch, they had 30,000 car break-ins in one year. 30,000! 30,000! I can't even believe it. It's just like, and people are just going on with their life. Has California become pre-modern? In other words, have we gone back to the cave ages, caveman ages? Millions of fed-up middle-class taxpayers are fleeing the state. Their presence as a stabilizing influence is sorely missed. About one-third of the nation's welfare recipients live in California. Millions of poor newcomers require enormously expensive state health, housing, education, legal, and law enforcement services. California is now a one-party state. Democrats have supermajorities in both houses. Only seven of the state's 53 congressional seats are held by Republicans. The result is that there is no credible check on most a coastal majority running the show. Huge global wealth in high-tech finance, trade, and academia poured into the coastal corridor, creating a new nobility with unprecedented riches. Unfortunately, the new aristocracy adopted mindsets of antithetical, antithetical to the general welfare of Californians living outside the coastal enclaves. The no, nobodies have struggled to buy high-priced gas, pay exorbitant power bills, and deal with shoddy infrastructure, all of which resulted from the policies of the distant somebodies. California's three most powerful politicians, Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, and Governor Gavin Newsom, are all multimillionaires. Their lives, homes, and privileges bear a resemblance to those of other Californians living with the consequences of their misguided policies and agendas. Okay, I'm not going to be able to do all of this. Uh, Insatiable state tax collectors and agencies are viewed by the public as if they were corrupt officials of third-world countries seeking bribes. Californians flip their switches, unsure of whether the lights are now going to go on. Many are careful about what they say, terrified of progressive thought police who seem more worried about critics than criminals. Our resolute ancestors took a century to turn wilderness into California. Our irresolute generation in just a decade or two has been turning California back into a wilderness. Does that make sense or what? This is, that was all written by that middle part by Victor Davis Hanson. Uh, but he included, and, and this, it was included in this write-up by Jim McNiff, who is a former law enforcement official, and uh, it's just it's just it's just shocking. There's another article I have here. It's titled "My Socialist Hell: Living in Post-Electricity Venezuela." When you read this, I'm telling you, it reads like California. It talks about losing. All of a sudden, after years of successful Venezuela, beginning to lose electricity every once in a while, and then for a little bit more time, and then for a little bit more time, and then it all getting blamed on Maduro or Chavez would blame it all on America, that we, they Americans <laughs> caused the electricity to go out in Venezuela. This is too crazy. This is, it, when you read it, it's like they actually believe, they actually told their people this. Listen, people, you think that's a stretch when Venezuelans or Russians blame stuff on America, on, on you and me, that cause, we caused the electricity to go out in Venezuela? When they say to you, 
The reason we're having electrical or fires in the foothills is because of global warming. Do you actually believe that? You've lost your mind. You, you, you actually, you need to go talk to a neurologist because your mind is screwed up. You, you got a flat spot somewhere. He said Maduro blamed the electrical incident on America. He hasn't offered an official explanation beyond stating that was an electronic coup, a cyber attack from, from California that knocked out the Venezuelan power. She said Caracas felt like a ghost, count, ghost town. You couldn't hear a single thing, not even gunfire or car alarms, quintessential sounds that one often hears through the night. It was as if we were all collectively going through a bizarre mass solitary confinement. This gal's a writer from Venezuela. She's awesome. She said, you know, it's like, you know, we're going to get quarantined on water, right? Listen to this. Water distribution was disrupted. People desperately sought for it. Even they looked for water in sewer drains. Telecommunications as well. We were essentially disconnected from the world. We couldn't even access our money since the banking network was offline. It's just, it's unbelievable. This is socialism, people. And yet these stupid, ignorant 20-somethings think it's going to be so cool, but they're not willing to go down and live in Venezuela. They're not living. They're not willing to. I was talking to a guy. I was emailing a guy, and uh, he lives in Santa Ana, El Salvador. He's a missionary down there, and I'm trying to find a place for someone to live that's going to be deported there. And he says, Lou, it's, it's difficult here. He said, there's no work. That's one thing if there's low unemployment, right? But when they say there's no work, th listen to this. For the longest time, Caracas, which is the lead city down there, had to deal with neither this in Venezuela, neither power had to deal with either neither power blackouts nor water shortages. Its prerogative as the nation's seat of power. It has now been over three years since we had running water 24-7. In other words, Caracas was spared these outages. But now she says it's been three years. How do you think, how long is, did PG&E say that we're going to have these outages? Ten years? People, you think we're not going to end up in Venezuela because it's, oh, well, it's not going to happen in California because, you know, we're like, we're like the richest, we're the biggest economy in the world. We're like eighth or something. And, you know, all this, all these rich people and stuff, I, there's still rich people in Venezuela. You know who they are? They're the daughters of Chavez and Maduro. They're billionaires. How did they get all that money? Three years since they've they they haven't since the water there's been water and power shortages. Does that mean there's no power or there's no water? No, no, no. They just can't deliver it. Like the power failures, instead of fixing the water distribution problems, the regime came up with an overly complicated water ration schedule. That's exactly what we have here in California. We're going to get a wash. We have all kinds of water. They don't want to give it to us. They want to give it to the fish. So we're going to have a water ration schedule and have water Nazis running up and down the street giving us tickets. It's so complex down there in Venezuela, the writer says, that government can't even follow their own rules. 
For the past three years, the area I live in only gets running water from Wednesday evening until early Sunday morning. Sometimes it doesn't arrive until Thursday or even Friday, but you can surely be certain they'll be gone before noon on Sunday. She said, my own personal constitution, how her body works, she's had to adjust it. She said, I need to be ready before 8 p.m. because that's when we have exactly one hour to use the toilet and shower, refill the bucket and do the dishes. Where It's coming to California, people. This, this country is California of South America. And it is no more. It's over. Do you know that's the biggest oil reserves in, in uh, South America? And we have the biggest oil reserves in, in the United States. And do you know they're forbidding us to use those reserves? We, we can't pump it anymore. Do you know that? That's Gavin Newsom. All right, we're going to take a break here, and I think we got one more section, and uh, we'll be done for the day. So ho- hold on just a second. Let me tell you what we're going to do right now. Uh, oh, we're going to talk about crazy Maxine right now. Hold, hold on. Okay, we'll be right back. We'll take a drink. Come right back. Are you ready? It's almost time. Oh, he's coming back, y'all, like a thief in the night. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, now it may be morning, night, or noon. I don't know, but it's gonna be soon. Are you ready? Maxine Waters is different than going after uh, a whistleblower. Well, whatever. He shouldn't be going after anybody. He's the president of the United States of America. He's setting some of us up to be killed. I have death threats constantly. There are a number of people who have been convicted uh, for threatening to kill me. And when he does that, he's dog whistling to the white supremacists. The KKK has no business doing that. Do you think he he's endangering no people's safety? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't go to the grocery store uh, anymore by myself. I have to pay for security uh, all the time. I can't move around the country. Uh (laughs) Girl! (laughs) Can somebody get Ben Carson on the phone? Ben, can you please work on Maxine's brain? It is something wrong with this woman. She is really cuckoo for Cocoa Pups. Maxine Waters, you should be the last person talking about somebody inciting violence. Uh, Do you not remember that you told people to attack conservatives at the restaurants, wherever they are, huh? Oh, well, let me replay that for you, Maxine, since you don't remember. No peace, no sleep. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anymore. So now do you remember Maxine, huh? Talking about Trump is trying to get you killed and other people killed. Girl, Trump ain't trying to get nobody killed. And you talking about you can't go to the grocery store without being harassed. 
That's not Trump's fault. That is your fault. Trump didn't tell nobody to harass people in public. You did, Maxine. You did. I just played it for you. Yeah, you did that. So they just doing what you told them to do. <laughs> so <laughs> be careful what you say. <laughs> Six celebrated a mass in Italian. Whoa, call me crazy. He's in Rome. You know, one day I want to meet him and kiss his ring and have a go. <laughs> the Mississippi River broke through a protective dike today. <laughs> what is a protective dike? Is that a large woman standing by the river going, don't go near there. But Betty, don't, don't go near there. Get away from the river. Stay away from there. I know we can't use the word dike. You can't even say lesbian. It's women in comfortable shoes. Well, what's the weather like? You got a window? Open it. The weather out there today is hot and shitty with continued hot and shitty in the afternoon. Tomorrow, a chance of continued crappy with a pissy weather front coming down from the north. Here's a news flash. Today, President Lyndon Johnson passed a highway beautification bill. The bill basically said that his daughters could not drive in a convertible on public highways. Can you tell us what you've found out about the enemy since you've been here? We found out that we can't find them. They're out there, and we're having a major difficulty in finding the enemy. Well, what do you use to look for them? Well, we ask people, are you the enemy? And whoever says yes, we shoot them. It is time to say goodnight to Napoli. Though it's hard for us to whisper, with that old moon above the Mediterranean Sea. Mm, in the morning, Senorino, we'll go walking. All right, so we were talking about Venezuela, and, and is it's a forerunner to California. And so this professional writer down there, she says, I'm writing this paragraph amidst a widespread water shortage. The nation's water pumps can't function without power, and they require lots of it. The constant blackouts have disrupted their startup process as well, which complicates things. We went from the early hours of March 24th, think of this, people, to April 5th without any water. I want you to think about that. This is a modern society where everything has been screwed up. Why? Because of ideology, a belief system that is totally in the toilet. She said, we went from the early hours of March 24 to April 5th without water, stretching our reserves to the best of our ability. I never wanted to shower more badly in my life than during those days. The inevitable collapse of our power grid in March 2019 dialed the problems up to 11. And as a result, water distribution has been extremely erratic. Throughout the year, we've suffered through several days without water, sometimes over a week. Nowadays, we're lucky if we get more than 36 to 48 hours of water in a whole week. Unbelievable. It's just, I, I don't know, maybe it doesn't impact you. I just, I'm just totally shocked by this. Daily blackouts that can last 18 hours or more continue to plague other regions of the country. In other words, in Caracas, the main city of Venezuela, where all the military is, says power has been relatively stable with sporadic blackouts and fluctuations in power here and there because it's the capital. It's the seat of the socialist revolution. Thank you, Jesus. And it must be kept afloat at all costs for the... So the face, you know, so we can keep up a good face. 
Things are even dire and more inhumane outside the city's border. My father tells me that he only gets water for two days every three months. Two days out in the rural areas for every three months. Water. You just you just go have to go fetch it with a bucket yourself somewhere. The public utilities woes have long since become part of our daily bread and butter. Well, it's not like you can go get those with ease every day here, but you can get my point. It's all been so tiresome and exasperating. Christ, written by Christian Caruso, a Venezuelan writer and, and, and documents life under socia, socialism. I'm telling you people, if you sit back, accept it with glee because I'm, I am not going to sit here and have that happen and not, not fight to the very end. These, these people are nuts. And the very people making these decisions, are, are, they're, their eye, arms are wide open, they're criminals, they're perverts, they're deviants, and they are, their pockets are full of cash. And they are getting all paid off. Everybody's on the take, and they are ripping you and me off. We're forced to obey minute, picky little rules left and right, left and right. You can't have a straw. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't have a sugar drink. You can't do this. You can't do that. They can't enforce the law. You got cops that want to do the law, and they can't. No, you just let them go. They're, they're leaving the, the store with a. I saw on on uh, Facebook a guy walking out of the store with a uh, chain, uh, not a chainsaw, skill saw. Just they had him on camera. Was walked right out of the store with it. Just they just let him go. Why? Because it it, it they'll just cite and release him. It's just lawless. The state is damn lawless. All these laws, I mean, the cops got to stand down. People, the stores. In fact, I have a friend that worked at Dollar Store one of the dollar stores and she did a takedown on a guy stealing from the store and they fired her for it. Let him go. Fired her for doing a takedown. She's a big lady and she's, she's scrappy. She just, she just knocked the dude down, took him, held him stronger than the guy, the, the tweaker. And they fired her for it. it. If this isn't upside down stupidity, the, I, we're being led by a lot of people that got their butt for brains. All right, I'm going to move on. That's Venezuela. There's more. If you don't want to listen, people, it's so easy to educate yourself now. If you sit back and just drink your beer and watch the tube, you're hopeless. I have no hope for you. I haven't had a television since 1987. I think I'm more informed than the average duck. Then the average person out there, you think, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to watch the news. I, I, I like to watch this program. I think your brain must be mush by now. You, you need to make a change. You're going to get your clock cleaned. You're going to be one of the – they're just going to herd you into a camp at some point. It, you should fly to Venezuela. Fly to Caracas. I don't even know whether the airport still works. You should go down there and just hang out for a few days. It's sad that we can't take all these uh, – 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds out of these university campuses that are taking the humanity courses and flying fly into the... When I went to Russia and I stayed, we rented an apartment there to set up in an office, 
right after the fall of communism. There was no electricity. It's one of the first things to go. Is that a heads up to you? We're giving brownouts in the state. People making millions of dollars can't keep the electricity on people. They have electricity. Do you think Gavin Newsom's going to go one, one minute without electricity? Do you think that the leaders in the state of California are going to miss any electricity? Come on, people. Think, think, think. Think, think, think. The first thing that goes is electricity. We, it was so cold, it was winter in Russia, and these buildings were just solid concrete, no elevators. You live on the 15th or 20th floor, you just trudge up those concrete steps. And it was just <clears throat> rough concrete, no finish. No tile, no linoleum, concrete floors. Hello? We slept with all of our clothes on and piled as much blankets on we could and still froze. The state would run the power from their headquarters and turn off the power, turn on the power to, if they could afford it, on these major high-rise, what they call stack and packs. That's what they, that they're going to put you in the state of California. Stack and packs. Move you out of these foothills up here because they don't want to pay for the, they want to pay to take care of the little socialist programs. They do not want to pay to defend against fires up there. I'm so fascinated into Yuba, Yuba Water Agencies all got, they got like the XYZ, they got the alphabet soup of agencies and all these environmental groups, and it's amazing to me. You know what they're going to do? They got all these people together, all these people, everybody making lots of money. And you know what they're going to do? They're talking about actually managing the forests, something that people with just a high school education pulled up back in the 1900s. These people got PhDs. They got masters, they got bachelors, they're making like 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000, 100,000, $150,000, $200,000 a year, right? And they're all of them just brainstorming how, let's see, our four, you know what I'm for? Let's just burn the whole damn place down. Let's just, let's just have a, like we used to burn the rice fields here and get rid of the rice stubble. And for, so for a week or two, you'd, you couldn't see your face. You couldn't see anything. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I think, hey, let's just burn all the animals, all the insects. Let's just burn the whole damn place down. And then, then we'll all get what we want. They got to have their wild land the way they wanted it. You don't get to cut a tree. You can't trim anything. You can't have a road through there. You got all this legislation. We, we stopped the timber to save the, the spotted owl, and it still died because that wasn't the issue at all. And so let's just burn it all down, and then the next generation can let it all grow up, and then when it gets really funky, they could burn it all down. Let's just start the fire ourselves. In fact, maybe that's a good deal. I may be an ar become an arsonist and just solve this for all these weirdos. Just go out and torch these places. Tell people, hey, I'm going to get ready to torch it. Move out of paradise. I'm going to torch this place up here, and y'all y'all move because I'm tired of all this. Then at least we can have a planned burn, right? You have a planned burn. You ever? We've done that where they have a controlled burn. We do that down the valley. So we have all these people that are going to get together, all these brainiacs, to what? To manage the forest. Something that farmers did, ranchers did. It was not, it, this isn't like science. Come on, people. This is like so crazy. These people have lost their minds. 
I'm telling you what, this is like too easy. People say, Lou, how, how do you even pick what to talk about one day a week? There's so much to talk about. I said, I don't know how people can do it every day of the week. Guys <laughs> that have a five-day-a-week show, there's so much to talk about because it's like there's a spirit of stupid on the entire country. It's like it's it's like where this you got four. It's like a multiple-choice test. Four out of five are right, and you consistently pick the wrong one. Like I tell the city of Marysville, Quit trying to work so hard at making decisions. Just flip a coin. The chances are much better of you getting the right answer just by odds of flipping a coin and hitting the yes answer. <laughs> you guys, you guys are cursed over there. I don't care how hard you work. You can study. You can pray. You can fast. Uh, we got a city that worships demons. <laughs> it, it expects a blessing from God. I get a kick out of it. I said, hey, let's vote all the dispensaries in here. Let's sell heroin. Let's let's have prostitution. Let's let's make it legal to pee and poop on the street. In fact, everybody, let's issue a instead of a mer medical marijuana card. Let's let's issue a card for five dollars, and you can pee and poop all you want. And then we should issue since we can't do any paving. Let's let let's give everyone in the city that can prove that they live here a free front end alignment somewhere. And maybe if we have a front-end alignment business, we'd really make them rich. Maybe we could get more front-end alignment businesses to move and start a business in Marysville if we just paid for it by the government. A government-sponsored front-end alignment business. It's almost like a smog business. Think of that. Smog that we don't even need anymore. All right. Well, I'm going to move on here. How about this? <laughs> I keep saying this. It seems like we find the stupidest person to put as principals and assistant principals of these schools, right? They're supposed to be the brightest, sharpest administrators, plus their teachers. They understand teaching. They understand the kids. They understand good judgment, wisdom, and we put them at the top. And then the assistant principal at Gulf Coast High School in Naples, Florida, allegedly threatened a teacher with termination over the teacher's involvement with the pro-life student group on campus. Now, uh, when there's these campus groups, <clears throat> generally they have to have a a teacher to be their uh, their mentor, right? They have to have somebody, an adult, to be their sponsor or something. Uh, so after receiving a demand letter from a law firm threatening to sue the school, the district the school sue the school district for viewpoint discrimination. The school says that it will approve the pro-life group. So start off here. A bunch of kids at the high school wanted to have a start a pro-life group and they needed a sponsor or a teacher. What do they call them? They don't, that's, I got the, that's the wrong term, but I used to be one for Marysville high school. We had a student group that was a Christian student group at Marysville high school. I wasn't a teacher there, but they had to have an adult. So I came in and did it as a chaplain. And uh, so we met once a week for lunch and did something, something. I forget what they call them now. But uh, anyway, the pro-life organization told Breitbart News in a statement that an application to start the group called Sharks for Life because they're, they're, they're uh, you know, their they're, uh, team mascot was a shark because they were Gulf Coast, right, in Naples, Florida. Sharks for Life <laughs> was Denied by Gulf 
the Gulf Coast administrators, adding that one of the teachers, Linda Cassidy, was threatened with termination after meeting with the school's principal, uh, Catherine Crawford Brown. These hyphenated people are always a ner- makes me nervous. Catherine Crawford Brown about approving the po- pro-life group. At the meeting, Ms. Crawford Brown also made pointed remarks numerous times that a Miss Ms. Cassidy continued to try and be a faculty advisor. That's it, the term's advisor. She could lose her job being a faculty advisor of a pro-life group. Specifically, she stated at one point, you better watch it, Linda. All these people, these little Nazis are tough. They're tough. Crawford Brown, these feminists. She's got some balls, that gal. She said, you better watch it. We'll be kicking your rear. We'll take your, your t- we'll, you won't be able to teach her anymore because we'll just, we'll destroy your, we'll carpet bomb your operation. Miss Crawford Brown made these remarks, even though she knew that the tr- the club needed a faculty advisor to be approved. Because of these remarks, Miss Cassidy, Ms. Cassidy stated that she did not want to be advisor of the Sharks for Life. You know why? Because she had bills to pay and she had kids to take care of and she couldn't afford to lose her job, even though she was doing something that was right. The letter goes on to allege that when Cassidy later informed second teacher Linda Townsend of what she had been, what was told to her at the meeting, Townsend also withdrew her application to be the pro-life. They had two advisors, Townsend and Cassidy. They both quit. So they said, uh, Miss Townsend said, I'm a single mom. And I was afraid that she would, that I'd lose my job. So she told Miss Cassidy she was withdrawing as da 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 Right. People think, oh, if I lose my job yeah, it's stupid, it's wrong, but I can't afford to fight this because these people are too powerful. They can take my job. I don't have a, I don't have the money to hire an attorney. That's what happens, people. That's what happens. And so you the, you out there that's got a few bucks and you don't have anything to lose. You need to step out there and stick your neck out and kick some rear end. So when they hired this firm called the Life for America and Alliance Defending uh, Students for Life of America and Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, these a bunch of attorneys for pro-life, they sent a demand letter, and now the Gulf Coast school said, I think there's just been a misunderstanding. I think, I think people jump to conclusions. We have all kinds of, we have a plethora Doesn't this sound good? A plethora of clubs on site that includes faith-based clubs, non-faith-based clubs, and so on that meet at lunch. The district policy encourages such club participants. How do we get so sweet and tolerant when we started off by threatening this teacher? That's what happens. And what would happen if those kids didn't didn't fight? They would have got run right out of that school. Run right out of that school. So I don't have time to do this, but I'm just going to say that San Francisco elected a DA whose parents are cop killers. Did you know that? And this guy is in that feels that black people, his name's, I, I, I was hesitating on his last name if I spelled, spoke it correctly. His name is Chesa, C-H-E-S-A. His last name is B-O-U-D-I-N. I would say Boudin. He's the son of two murderous anti-war extremists sent to prison for murder when he was a toddler. 
Uh, do you remember Bill Ayers, who was a big, big Obama, Obama man? He was also in the Weatherman Underground. He raised this boy. Boudin is 39, became uh, his agenda in office is to tackle racial bias. He's a he's an Eric Holder, but he's white. In other words, he's not going to prosecute black people because they've been too much prosecuted. He wants to overhaul the bail system, protect immigrants from deportation and pursue accountability and police misconduct. You know, those cops are all criminals. They're all they're all they're all they all want to be cage fighters. Boudin said in a statement, the people of San Francisco sent a powerful message and a clear message. It's time for radical change on how do we envision justice. I've humbled, I've been humbled to be a part of this movement. All this movement, baloney. Anyway, I'm going to write an article for the territorial about this. His mother, Kathy Boudin, served 22 years behind bars, and his father, David Gilbert, may spend the rest of his life in prison. They were really wonderful people. They, they blew up. They, uh, they, on a robbery of a Brinks truck, they killed a bunch of people. Officers Waverly Brown, Edward O'Grady, and Brinks employee Peter Page never got to go home on October 20th, 1981. The imprisonment of all involved, show, involved showed that the criminal justice system works. Boudin was raised in Chicago because he was a little kid when his parents got arrested. He was taken care of by Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, with Dorn actually having been on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list due to her helping lead the Weatherman Underground domestic terrorist group. When you work for the Weatherman Underground and you have liberals running the United States, then you get into all the college. So, so Boudin later studied at Yale University after being a murderer. are his parents being a murderer. So Boudin got a walkthrough at Yale. He later won a Rhodes Scholarship and worked as a translator for Venezuela's late pre president, Hugo Chavez, who just created this country I just told you about. So anyway, my time's up. I'll catch you next week. I'm getting ready to go to Vietnam, so I'm going to knock out a couple of these programs and get them done so you'll we won't miss a lick, hopefully, over the next couple of weeks. And... uh then I'll be over there while we're talking over here. So thank you for listening. And uh, you know how to get a hold of me if you want to. If you want to help me um, run this show, you could always uh, send me a text or email. You can or you can send a check uh, for uh, to Lou Benninger at No Hostages Radio, P.O. Box 88, Marysville, 95901. For you that want to help trauma intervention program, it's getting towards the end of the year. You want to make a donation to something that helps people we've been a lot of young children dying lately it's been crazy around here so been trying to work with parents or babies dying and nine-year-old people dying it's like what if you want to help us train people and go out on these 911 calls you can send a check to tip trauma intervention program tip p.o box 645 marysville 95901 that's california so wherever you are uh, stand up for what's right. Stand up for our patriots that are protecting us, whether they're on our soil called cops or whether they're on foreign soil and around this area called our U.S. military. 
They are the best and the brightest amongst us, regardless of what the liberals say. And uh, thank you so much. If you meet somebody this week that's new to you, take care of them. Be kind to them because the Bible says they may be an angel and you just don't know it. So God bless you. See you later. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter...